Good day, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Rep Rewind on the career of Eminem. Today's episode is obviously album number three, The Eminem Show. Um, the Eminem Show came out um, June 4th, 2002. Um, so while we're about to celebrate its uh, 20th anniversary already. Uh, yeah, this year's 19. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, um, it's technically his fourth studio album, but we've talked about the first album. Uh, but yes, um, uh, this one was another aftermath, um, and this one was also on Shady's record. Uh, so the album saw Eminem take a substantially more predominant production role, mostly was self-produced with longtime collaborator Jeff. Ba- uh, wow, Jeff Bass and Dr. Dre being the album executive producer. Um, you can tell a lot of this was produced by him when you listen to the songs because it's got a, it's definitely a different tone than what the other albums were. Uh, yeah, it uh, it didn't have that distinct like West Coast beat that Dre that G funk beat. Yeah, that Dre it, produces. It, uh, you know a Dre beat when you hear one. Yeah, it it was weird. Like it was a, I don't even know how to explain. Like it's a mash of like both coast, I guess. Cause, yeah, like you could hear some hip hop influence on some of the songs, but it still had like a New York like kind of bass um, element to it. Like it's it's hard to literally explain it unless you're listening to it. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, uh, the production on production on this one's still top notch, though. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And and the crazy thing is that you know, like Dre, he was involved with the recording process, obviously, but the only three songs, well, four songs, the one of them was a skit with Paul Rosenberg, um, but the song "Business," the song um, "Say What You Say," and "My Daddy's Gone Crazy" were all produced by Dre. Uh, you can kind of sense a little bit of the West Coast beat with the song Business and with Say What yeah. You Say. Um, uh, you could definitely hear it in Say What You Say. Right. Uh, business, too. You, like, it had that old, literally old NWA funk style to it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But um, continue on. Uh, ooh, I lost my spot. Um, but continue on. Um, it did also feature... Uh, you know, guest appearances from Obi Trice, D12, Dr. Dre, Nate Dogg, and obviously Eminem's daughter, uh, Haley, on it. Yeah. Um, the album incorporates a heavier use of rap rock um, than Eminem's previous albums. There are some more, there are more guitar and heavier drum elements in some of the songs. Um, and it, the themes are more predominantly based on Eminem's prominence in hip hop culture as well as his ambulant thoughts of fame. The album also features political commentary, uh, includes reference to 9-11, Osama Bin Laden, the war on terror, George W. Bush, uh, Lynn Cheney, and uh, Tipper Gore. Uh, due to his less satirical and shot factor, lyrical approach, the Eminem show was regarded as Eminem's most personal amount at the time and a step back from the Slim Shady alter ego. I mean, we have been talking about it at, from this point on, it's pretty much M- uh, Marshall and not Slim really yes. coming out in the albums. Right. Um, and you can tell, like, there, there's some, I don't know, in, sort of like in business, he sort of has that slim shady s to it, but still Marshall style. Like, it's weird. Like, he blends it pretty well in that one. Um, and which there's another one. Um, My dad's gone crazy. Sort of also has like that funnier slim shady element to it, but most of the album is just Eminem being Marshall, right? Um, 
pretty heavily in, obviously being more personal, um, because if he is giving his social um, commentary on things, um, which nowadays, if you're apparently if you are a celebrity, you're not allowed to do that. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they tell you to. I mean, if you're a, a, a sports player, hey, you know, you either get told to sh- shut up and dribble, or you know, just or throw you just the get ball. Blackballed. Yeah, you get yeah. blackballed. Yeah, yeah. Which, God, God forbid we, anybody <laughs> has a difference of opinion, right? Yeah, God forbid poor people that finally got money talks about poor people, <laughs> right? How dare they? Yeah. <laughs> but we're not here for that. We're not here. We're for not. That. Don't make it about that. Then come on, let's get going. <laughs> we will go off on a whole new tangent, and this won't be the Eminem show review. This will be completely different. I'll shit all over yeah. everybody. Fox, CNN. I don't give a shit. All of them. But uh, hey, no, this was widely considered. This was uh, widely considered the most anticipated album of 2002. Um, there was a lot of good albums in 2002, though. But uh, we're gonna focus on this one. Um, the Eminem show debuted at number one on the billboard 200 it stood there for six non-consecutive weeks um we looked it up before but i cannot remember what album was the one that like came over for a little bit it was uh was it the dmx one was it this 2002 year uh or was I, it i think i think that's right was it dmx or was it the love below was it speaker box of love below did was that 2002 or was that 2003 uh, we looked it up and we were okay, yeah, look it up real quick. <laughs> I'm looking it up. Uh, let's see here, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Movement Radio, where we do everything on the fly. <laughs> oh no, 2002 was Nellyville. Nellyville. Oh yeah, yeah, there yeah. You go. yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. I knew it was another hip hop, which is funny because the uh, Eight Mile um, soundtrack also came out later that year and also was on the top 100 for a couple weeks. So he had two different albums. And different times being number one for most of 2002. Right. Um, that is kind of funny that Nelly was the one, though. But uh, all right, continuing on. Hmm. Um, it sold over 1.3 million copies in its second week in the U.S., where it registered a full week of sales. Um, it also topped the U.K. album chart and for five consecutive weeks. And it also produced four commercially successful singles, um, Without Me, Clean Out My Closet, uh, Superman, and Sing for the Moment. And the album was met with positive critical review, with praise directed at Eminem's mature, introspective lyricism, and the album's experimental production. But the thing is, like, with each album, he, he matured. Like, it was a big difference between the first to the second and second to the third. Oh, well, uh, I, and I think you... you as as we get deeper into uh his catalog you, that'll be a growing theme with each album release is a a more mature a more conscious a more you know hip hop driven Eminem yeah. yeah because in the, in the in the grand scheme of things i mean it's it's kind of like whenever with, whether with it's with hip hop or with rock or any type of music um, you know, if you have a, if you, if you pop on the first record and then the second record is kind of the same, like, okay, it's just similar. Maybe he just, you know, went back to his formula or whatever. But then the third album is just like the first and the second one. Then it's like, okay, wait a minute. You're just sticking to what you know. You're not trying anything new. You're not experimenting with different styles. You're not, you're not broadening your horizon. You're just, you're, you're basically putting yourself on a box, you know, and for this album, especially Eminem took himself way out of that box and especially taking some risk because if I'm not mistaken, is this the very first Eminem album that he did 
do more production work, or did he do a little bit on the Marshall Mathers LP before going into this record? Well, this one he pretty he pretty much did all the production except for a couple. Okay. Yeah, this is the first one where he really did take over for production. Right. So yeah, he, he had yeah. he had uh, small pro- producer credits on uh, his second album, or I guess technically third album on the Mathers LP. Um, there he had small production credits, uh, but this <clears throat> this is really like his whole brainchild. And then he was like, "All right, uh, Dre, I need a beat for this song and this song." You know, Jeff Bass, I need a beat for this song kind of deal. And then most of it was most of it was him. Right. I'm wondering if he did that because he knew that he was going to get more political and didn't want to like affect the other people on the album and production wise. Because, you know, how sometimes it'd be where one person in a group setting or a business says something political and it ruins everybody else for some reason. You know, knowing I mean, not, I don't know the man personally, but knowing Eminem, <laughs> how, we did. yeah, but knowing Eminem, how I know him, you know, having followed his career and everything, I would be willing to bet that that's exactly, you know, what he was thinking going into this album. Right. Yeah. And for most people that don't know how Eminem Marshall Mathers actually is, he's actually a very quiet, reserved guy. He's not this persona. Right. Like, he's actually pretty chill, uh, very respectful. Um, like, all the time that people actually, like, talk about him, like, he's not who he uh, portrays, I guess. Right. Um, but, like like we said, as long as he matured, as he's been maturing throughout the albums or anything, like, he is sort of showing how he really is and everything like that. So, I mean, later on in the later albums, I mean, we'll probably see his more truer self and how he's more... Not gonna say laid back, but more reserved compared to his beginnings. Right. Most definitely. Yes. Um, so the Eminem show was both the best selling album of 2002 in the United States, but it was also the best selling album worldwide. Um, it was certified diamond by the RIAA, um, and its worldwide sales was over 27 million copies, making it one of the best selling albums of all time and the third best selling album of the 21st century. Um, when we did our, uh, episode on diamond album, hip hop albums, um, Eminem had two of them on there. Yeah. Right. He Uh, was one of only two. Yeah. And the, the other person that had two, their second diamond record was quite humorous to think that it was just a greatest hits album. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't even the best songs, all the best songs. So (laughs) No. When we talk about that, go back onto the episode. I mean, yes, trust me, we went really detailed on it. Um, we got an asterisk on that one. Yeah, episode two, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> um, but no. Um, so, uh, at the two thousand three Grammys, the it was nominated for album of the year and won best rap album. Uh, so, it didn't win album of the year. No, it, it won best rap album. I wonder who won album of the year. Um, uh, I'll look it up. Yeah, oh, 2003 Grammys. Well, while you guys are looking it up, um, Without Me won Best Music Video. Um, Blender, Music, and Launch named it the best album of 2002. Um, and several other publications named it among the best albums of the 2000 decades, period. Okay. Gosh. So, uh, 2003 Album of the Year. Uh, hold on, 2003, hold on. Come Away With Me by Nora Jones. 
Yeah. Other nominees. What? Yeah. Other nominees. Other nominees were Home by the Dixie Chicks, Nellyville by Nelly, The Rising by Bruce Springsteen, and The Eminem Show, obviously. <laughs> I wish I was making blow a I gasket. wish I was making this up. I'm just Yeah, uh so Come Away with Me was actually the the debut studio album by Norm Jones. Jones. Yeah. yeah. I remember that, but Really? Uh, I mean I don't, it... I don't even think it was on the charts that long. Yeah. Yeah, it won best. It won. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it says right here in best rap album, Eminem, the Eminem Show won. The other four nominee was uh, was a uh, Diary of a Sinner, first entry by Petey Pablo, Nellyville by Nelly, Tarantula by Mystical, and Word of Mouth by Ludacris. Word of Mouth is so good though. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, back to Come Away with Me. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it uh, Come Away with Me actually peaked at number one on the Billboard 200. It received a uh, Grammy Award for Best Album of the Year best pop vocal album it was certified diamond by the riaa uh for shipments of over 10 million copies in the united states it sold over 27 million copies worldwide and as of 2016 making it one of the best selling albums of all time all right interesting i mean nor jones is good uh, but man i'm i'm gonna have to go back and listen to that album then (laughs) right and I like I'm not I'm not disrespecting Nora Jones. I love her music. I mean, she got some bangers why. in there. <laughs> yeah, she, I mean, she really does have bangers. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to dispute that, right? Yeah. But um, so so back to Eminem. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Eminem was speaking to Spin um magazine and said he said eventually I might need some drama in my life to inspire me. Um. Uh, with the Marshall Matters Mathers LP, uh, everything that everybody was saying, I took that and it was my ammo. And then when shit died down a little bit, I had other turmoil in my personal life. So that was what I was able to dump onto the Eminem show. Now I just got to wait for the next phase of my life. But something always seems to happen. Something's always going to be fucking turbulent. I mean, that's how life is, though, man. Uh, yeah. yeah, I understand him. <laughs> you get success and it just brings, like like Biggie said, more, more problems. Money, more, more money, more, more problems. problems. Yep. Um, Eminem cited that the inspiration for the album was taken from the Peter Ware directed 1998 science fiction comedy drama film The Truman Show. Um, Jim Carrey started in the film as lead character uh, Truman Burbank, a man who unwillingly lives inside a TV show where his life is broadcast to viewers around the world. Like, when I watched that movie as a child, I was like, man, this movie's okay, but it doesn't really seem like good but now when i watch with his doll i was like man this movie's really dark and twisted but it's so good exactly like there's yeah. so many layers to that movie it's like to think like to think what if that actually happened in real life like what if we literally because it was in a movie it was from his birth like he was literally picked from birth and they just filmed him from birth on yeah and then they literally directed his whole life all his major life events they killed off his father technically <laughs> i mean they forced him to marry the women the woman they wanted him to marry and not the one he wanted to be with like it's really dark yeah it is it is i mean you know going back and watching it now it's such a good movie oh yeah it's amazing like yeah. um yeah i, I love that I mean, like it and it always makes me sad too and uh spoiler for a movie that came out in 1998 when he's in the boat in the middle of the 
set studio, I guess. Yes. And he just cries, crying out and everything like that. Like it's, you can like Jim Carrey in that movie is just like, people talk about how great of a comedic actor is, but his dramatic moments in that movie just set him above a lot of people. Yes. Yes. He is so underrated as an actor in any role that he, that he's ever played. Yeah. We all know him for Ace Ventura and the mask and different movies like that. But if you watch movies like the Truman show or you watch fucking the number 23 or, or, you know, any, any other movie that has him in it, that's not really like a comical role. It's like, man, like he emerges himself. And I think that's the, that's the, the markings of a great actor is just someone who can emerge himself into this, into the character and make it so true to life. And so over the top that it's like, it makes it so memorable, you know? Uh, it's the way Gary Oldman is, you know, in which he's always known as a character actor, but the characters that he does, you remember those characters, you know? Yeah. Um, I wish they'd give Gary Oldman a role in a Marvel movie already. Oh, yeah. Let that man be in it. Um, so Eminem spoke on the film's influence, saying that my life felt like it was becoming a circus around that time. And I felt like I was always being watched. So basically, Jim Carrey wrote my album. Wow. Um, <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> like 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 i said this one it gets really personal like there's a lot of stuff in it and you can really tell like i don't think he has it's not anger but more of a like it's a, it's a frustration in a way but not like pure anger but there are things in it like when he's speaking or speaking when he's rapping like you can tell like how he's actually feeling like he had that little that frustration and him letting it out really was like a good therapeutic thing for him during this time right yeah uh, yeah. So speaking with Rolling Stones in 2002, Eminem said, Sing for the Moment was the first song I wrote for the album. Um, Clean Out My Closet was the second. I had the line in Clean Out My Closet. I'd like to welcome you all to the Eminem show. And it was just a line, but I sat back and I was like, my life is really like a show. I have songs on the album that I wrote when I was in that shit last year with a possible jail sentence hanging over my head and all the emotions going through the divorce. I went through a lot of shit last year, lawsuits, divorce, threat of jail time that I resolved at the same time, all in the same year. And yeah, that's when half of the album was wrote. Do you think he like continuously, he wrote the three albums like back to back, didn't he? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, And he was going through well, for, from the second album to, well, third album to the fourth album, technically. But like he did go through a lot of stuff. He did have a lot of anger, a lot of personal stuff, like just coming out. He was always under the microscope of society and pop culture. Cause I mean, he shot himself up instantly to like the top echelon of pop culture during this time. I mean, yeah. So everything he did, like, yeah, he was like on the Truman show. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 He literally lived his life right in front of us. Every bit of it. Yep. yep. And um, he also started recording the album at the same time that he was filming 8 Mile and producing the 8 Mile soundtrack. So, I mean, he was working on two albums and a movie at the same time. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, that's beyond ridiculous. <laughs> like, did you sleep, my man? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he did. I don't even think he well, did. You know? see, I, this is around the time that, and we'll get into this in, in later, you know, albums. Uh, but this is, a, I think, around the time where he started... Um, really taking like uh ambien and sleep medicine and everything uh because he was going so hard and doing so much you know i mean not only was he working on this album working on uh the eight mile soundtrack working on the movie the eight mile but he was also touring you know it they yeah 
to to promote the album and everything. So and not only they had to promote the movie too, so he was doing a movie tour. Right. Like this man was like <clears throat> that's just that I mean, that's how you become one of the best. Like you gotta sacrifice. We talk about it all the time behind the scenes, like, you know, we, we do this stuff here. We also got our nine to five or I mean Talon's case like a eight to eight. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, right. Um mine my eight to seven and I mean like we work long hours. Yeah. Then we do this for a few hours, playing and everything like that, talking, the pre stuff we talk about, then we're actually doing it, then stuff afterward. I mean we sacrifice a lot of sleep to do this. And, oh yeah. I mean this man was sacrificing days upon days. Right. Yeah. I mean this like <laughs> you know, for me personally, most nights I don't go to bed until like one or two o'clock in the morning then my alarm goes off at 6 a.m every morning yep yeah i'm hitting around that i'm i've gotten it to where i can sleep around 12 30 and get about five hours and hopefully yeah, yeah. I'll, like... I'll i'll go lay da- <laughs> i'll go lay down and then 6 30 bam i'm up and it's like oh shit you know get up do what i gotta do take my son to school and then the moment he drop him off in rossville i'm driving all the way to uh ringgold and then you know 12 hours later i'm home (laughs) and and, i mean by no means are we comparing ourselves to eminem at all we're just saying that if you want to be the best that that you have to sacrifice certain things in your life and for us we've decided that we can sacrifice a little bit of sleep now to you know get that good sleep later on get that good sleep later (laughs) on what's the what's the old expression i'll sleep when i'm dead Yep. Yeah, but I don't want. I don't want. I want to sleep before I'm dead, son. You know, <laughs> just rest. Just rest a little bit. You a little cat nap here and there. <laughs> you know, but no. Um, so back to this. Um, so the the album also saw Eminem take a substantially more predominant production role. Like we talked about it. Um, his uh, longtime collaborator Jeff uh, Bass co-produced several tracks. Uh, mainly the songs which became the release singles. Um, Dr. Dre did one song, uh, no, sorry, did three songs on it, Business, Say What You Say, and My Dad's Going Crazy. Um, regarding his increase in producing, Eminem told Rolling Stones, I actually know how to program a drum machine now. Uh, it used to be so simple, just writing lyrics and raps, laying vocals, and leaving the studio was great. But now that I'm so into production, it's a job. Yeah, he also produces, so we like... Yeah, produced two albums, acted, toured for an album, toured for a movie, filmed the movie. Like, yeah, like it's, <laughs> yeah, I can see why this man got into those uh, harder sleeping medications. Right, most definitely. Um, um go ahead. I, I was I was gonna go to the next spot where uh, it's, stylistically the Eminem show has a lighter tone than the Mathers LP. Um, although it doesn't seem like that, but once you go and listen to it all the way through, you can definitely see where it says there's a lighter tone. Well, uh, and I think it's because he doesn't go into that horrorcore element that he did on the first two, or the second and third album. Um, but this one is a social political one. So, I mean, it's lighter in the sense that it's not, you know, just straight out murder, blood and guts and rape and stuff like that. But he's still talking about 
some dark elements, you know, the, the state of our country at the time. Uh, I mean, this was post 9-11. So, I mean, yeah, well, we well, were, not, well, not only post 9-11, but this is 2002. And we were pretty much on the verge of a war with, in, with the war with, uh, in uh, Iraq at that. Well, not at the, at this particular point, because the war in Iraq didn't begin until 2003. Um, but, you know, I mean, he does talk a little but when we get when we get to the actual songs you know i'll I'll delve deeper into it but yeah it was definitely a social commentary yeah so uh it it, as we said earlier it incorporates a heavier use of rack rock than eminem's previous albums featuring mixed guitar driven melodies with hip-hop rhythms in an interview with british magazine the face in april of 20 uh 2002 eminem said that he treated the album like it was a rock record he continued that he tried to get the best of both worlds on the album. He spoke on specific rock influences, saying, I listened to a lot of 70s rock growing up when I was real little. Uh, when I got when I go back and listen to them songs like Led Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Jimi Hendrix, 70s rock had this incredible feel to it. Notably, Sing for the Moment contains a sample of Aerosmith's Dream On, mm-hmm. as well as a reinterpretation of its guitar solo. Uh, and, and, and obviously, uh, if you listen to this song, you definitely hear uh, that that sample. For sure. yeah. It pretty yeah. much kicks it off, you know, and then but even the bass line's different, you know, because it's got that that it, it starts with like a, the normal bass line of the song, but then it raises up. It's like that. Ding, 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 ding. And it goes to that long drug out uh, note and then it hits and then the bass comes in and then it's, oh, then the, the the snare drum comes in after that and it's like oh okay you know and uh you know and i've said it before it's my favorite eminem song so and we'll talk more about it when we get to it but go ahead right um so on the song till i collapse he also sampled um queen's we will rock you with the click kick clap beat uh you know the boom boom clap boom boom clap yep um yeah, it's, he just made it more metal, like industrial sounding. Oh, uh, and he's like, for sure, he's, sold it, he's definitely sold down the tempo a little bit. But yeah, you can definitely, yeah, like when you like actually listen to it, you can actually hear it pretty well too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And so, I also like how it says, sorry, I like how it says it's a rap rock. Like they're just trying not to use the word new metal at all, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> like. <laughs> No, I ain't no new metal. That's rap rock. Bro, come on, man. (laughs) Right. Uh, So the themes of the Eminem show are predominantly based on Eminem's prominence in hip-hop culture and the subsequent envy towards him, as well as his thoughts on his unexpected enormous success and its consequential negative effects on his life. The album also touches on Eminem's thoughts on themes surrounding American politics, including references to 9-11, Osama bin Laden, the War on Terror, uh, former President George W. Bush, Lynn Cheney, and Tipper Gore. Speaking on his use of political commentary on the album, Eminem told Rolling Stone, you put your shit out there for the world to see and to judge, and whoever agrees with you agrees with you. Even my most diehard fans don't agree with everything I say. These are my views. This is how I see it. You may have your own opinion, but you may not get to project it to the world like I do. Uh, and, and, I mean, that's you know we were talking earlier about celebrities and how they use that platform to talk about bigger issues 
um and people you know there are people that are like oh they should just do their job what they're getting paid to do right but you don't you're just mad because you don't have the influence that these people do to actually make a change you just sit around your desk and bitch about it right i mean you can sit there whether you want to look at it from the from the right side or the left side i mean and my, my my theory is and it's mostly coming from people on the right um when we when they talk about how like oh shut up and dribble or shut up and sing shut up and act like no one wants to hear what you have to say you know nothing about the real world blah 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 you know and there are you know political commentary and it's like you know for people who promote who say america's the greatest country in the world because it's we have freedom of speech you're awfully critical of people see and that's the funny thing we're all for freedom of speech until you say something we don't like and boo what you're saying is bad you should shut the fuck no, no you shut the fuck up you think you know politics and you Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> well, another you got my another Agent Orange jacked up here. Another thing is also like that that side is known for saying uh, facts don't care about your feelings. Yet there are the people that refute facts so hard. Correct. Because yeah. it hurts their feelings all the 100% time. Correct. <laughs> like, but uh, uh, also like that party also have literally elected three celebrities in office. Uh huh. So it's okay for their celebrities to do stuff, but celebrities who have a different opinion not allowed. Nope, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, you're so again. You're all for freedom of speech until someone says something you don't like, right? And then you're a hypocrite. Oh, uh, so writing for Spin, uh, rock critic Alan Light said that the album may have proved that Eminem is the most dexterous, vivid writer in pop music. The album also sees Eminem dissing several artists, including Mariah Carey, Moby, Cannabis, Limp Bizkit, uh, which if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to our rock retrospective on Limp Bizkit. That's a really good one. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> while Dr. Dre also disses Jermaine Dupri on the song, Say What You Say. Yeah, he does. Uh, like I, I always forget that Dre and Jermaine Dupri had a beef because who was Jermaine Dupri? Right. <laughs> he discovered a little Bow Wow. That's about it. No, Bow Wow's the first industry plant. He wasn't discovered. They <laughs> molded him and they just gave him the so so death. Exactly. Yeah, I know what uh, he so, uh, so lyrically, the album shows Eminem's personal and musical growth, uh, with there being a lack of misogyny and homophobia compared to the Mathers LP. Eminem told Spin one of the frustrating things was people saying, Oh, he's got a cuss to sell records. That's why with this album, I toned it down a bit as far as shock value. I wanted to show that I'm a solid artist and I'm here to stay. Due to its less satirical and shock factor lyrical approach, the Eminem show was regarded as a departure from Eminem's previous albums. With it being more personal and reflective and a step back of the Slim Shady alter ego. Eminem said during an interview with MTV that he felt that the Eminem show was his best record so far. In 2006, uh, so four years after the album was released, Q said that Eminem's first two albums aired Dirty Laundry, then the world's most celebrated rapper, Eminem, examined life in the Hall of Mirrors he'd built for himself. Uh, and you can definitely see that, you know, listening to this album. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so with the release of the Eminem show, Eminem was considered to be more socially acceptable 
there were no protests over his lyrics, boycotts, and <clears throat> talk shows discussing his impact on America's youth. A columnist of the New York Observer wrote that Eminem had become a guilty pleasure for baby boomers, describing him as the most compelling figure to have emerged from popular music since the holy trinity of Bob Dylan, John Lennon, and Mick Jagger. Hmm. Okay, boomers. Um, yeah, boomers. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, Bob Dylan, John Lennon, and Mick Jagger are some of the most popular and successful rock artists right. of, of all, all time. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So but, to um, be put in, in that category, that that's a huge plus. Absolutely. And we're going to say this here now because there's people listening and going to be like, oh, they're calling him a pop artist. Yes, he, he, he made popular music. Yes, he was a rapper, but we talked about it. He got thrown into pop culture immediately. So everything he did was is rap or hip hop, but it's pop because it was played. It was commercially successful. It was popular. That's right. what pop music means. Right. I hate people that get mad about that. It's not pop. It, it, it Yes, it's popular music. It's played on the radio consistently. There's a crap ton of videos. There's time to play. Back in that day, there was this thing called TRL. Yeah. That shit played nothing but pop music, and Eminem was on it a lot. A yeah. whole lot. <laughs> okay, like, so, what he, so what if he was on the same countdown with the boy bands and the pop princesses and the Disney stars and the new metal people? Who gives a shit? I mean, here's the thing: he he broke that mold for to help hip hop get even more successful, right? Isn't that what you want? Like, I I've, I've always hated this argument. Like when people say, "Oh, I only have a taste of music," I, like I don't listen to pop music, or I don't listen to country music, or I don't listen to this, or like listen to like. So you're literally stifling yourself from hearing great music because of this weird perception you have. Uh, since I like this, this is what kind of like I'm a hip hop guy. I only listen to this. Like, right? You're you're literally shooting yourself in the foot yeah, if I, you're not I, I, embracing I, yourself. Right. Um, I found a video on YouTube. I'll send it to you guys here in the uh, chat a little bit later. But it but it was a guy who takes like pop punk songs and metal songs and he turns them into country music songs. He he does a country western version of the song Duality by Slipknot. Freaking incredible. It, oh, honestly, it, like, it really uh, is incredible. Is it, like, is it a dude's name like Andy something? Alex something. Alex something, yeah. yeah. That's the dude that does that. I sent you the one where he does the uh Blink 182 cover yes, of the song. Yes, he did Miss yeah, You. Yeah. He did a country version of Miss You and yeah. First Date. I thought both This both dude was, is this dude is super good. I would, yeah, yeah. we should try to get him on the show like like real talk. I'll, like this dude's really creative. I'll, sh I'll uh, let's reach out to him. Shoot the yeah, shot. Just find his Twitter and just put it out in the ether. Yeah. There you go. Yes, because I mean he does some like, especially like when he's covered. Like he literally sounds like Blink One Eighty Two when he does those songs. Yeah, because he does. Like, I'm like, yeah, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he did uh, Journeys, Don't Stop Believing as Blink One Eighty Two, and that's like. Yo, I didn't know this song could get better. Yeah, right. He, he, he did one like <laughs> if the if you if Blink One Eighty Two sung the Bare Naked Lady song one week, one week. It's yeah. so good. Like it it's better. Than, good. It literally is better than the original. <laughs> no offense to Bare Naked Ladies, but oh no, Canada's <laughs> best band to ever come out of Canada. Yeah, suck that Nickelback. Hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about uh, that in a rock retrospective <laughs> later down on the road. Well, it's never happening. But let's <laughs> say what now? So that's never happening. It, it'll happen. 
when we when we exhausted every other band that we're going to talk about, we'll talk about. Hey, Nickelback's got a diamond record, bro. I'm just saying. It doesn't matter. It's pop, man. Come on. It is pop, right? <laughs> but uh, um, go ahead. No, I was going to let you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I, I was just going to say. Um, so in the clean version of the Eminem show, censors uh, many more profanities and derogatory words than in clean versions of his previous albums in which the words goddamn prick bastard piss bitch ass and shit were allowed this album allowed zero profanities and the profanities were either muted obscured by sound effects or backmasked uh, in addition to the hold entire... on real quick because yes. there's people that are probably listening to this that don't even know what the hell we're talking about so yes <laughs> back in the day they used to actually censor albums and they used to put weird sound effects, weird record scratches. Oh yeah, you get they, like it's so you, funny. Or replace the word with something like completely off the wall. It was the greatest thing ever to listen to. Sometimes <laughs> it was, it was because you'd come across a a word that you knew was supposed to be like fuck, and you'd hear what? And like you like you jam into it, and you know it's coming, but then you hear that sound, and it just throws you off completely. So you're over here like you're like beat for beat, word for word, and you're like, what? Yeah. I mean, this is the way they used to get their songs played back on radio. I mean, radio was super censored, but nowadays with streaming, YouTube, everything like that. Yeah, it's, radio it's just not, let everything fly now. <laughs> it, it, yeah. yeah, it's definitely not as censored as it used to be. Um, so in addition to this, entire sentences were sometimes removed from the censored versions of uh, for being very sexually charged. Actually, the entire song Drips was removed in early clean versions and is heard as only four seconds of silence moving to the next track without me. Later on, digital releases of the clean version Remove drips completely, moving the next 11 songs up on the track list. And some copies of the clean version, however, feature an edited version of drips. Uh, there are some inconsistencies in clean version censorships. In the skit, The Kiss, Eminem shouts the word motherfucker, uh, and it is still audible in some censored versions. Uh, in the track Soldier, which is a continuation of The Kiss, the word bitch was used three times and can clearly be heard once. Uh, Haley's song contains the backmasked phrase want her, which can easily be mistaken as abort her on both the explicit and clean versions. Also in white America, the word flag is backmasked when he raps to burn the flag and replace it with a parental advisory sticker. Yeah. So... <sighs> yeah so <laughs> i don't know if we were discussing that or not but okay <laughs> well i mean we'll discuss that when we right. get into and, all right so the actual yeah, yeah so so the eminem show was also met with critical acclaim um at metacritic which a lot of albums you know go through metacritic to get their status or whatever um at metacritic which assigns a normalized rating one out of a hundred uh, to reviews from mainstream publications, the album received the average score of 75 based on 20 reviews. Alex Needham of NME hailed the Eminem show as a fantastic third album that is a bigger, bolder, and far more consistent than its predecessors. David Brown of Entertainment Weekly felt the album's more personal lyrics su uh, succeeded in flushing out Eminem's complexity and 
excuse me, contradictions, nonetheless concluding that I like its, unlike its predecessors though, the Eminem show is a testament to the skill of its star. The slug, the, the slugly, slugly? What the fuck word's that? Sluggish <laughs> rapping. <laughs> on this entry on Wikipedia. Um, the rapping is with such guests like D12 only confirms Eminem's dizzy, uh, pra- dizzying prowess, uh, gob spewing, uh, individuality and wickedly prankish humor writing for rolling stone chris x argued that eminem may have been the best it may have made the best rap rock record in history um slate magazine uh sal i'm not even going to try to pronounce this motherfucker's last name wrote that he peels back some of the shut up <laughs> that he peels back some of the bullshit facade <laughs> And reveals a little more of the real Marshall Mathers. And an album that displays a, dare I say, more mature Eminem. I'm going to pause right there. So for this album, we all talked about it at the beginning. Like, we definitely see a more mature Eminem with more... Is is it more of a mature Eminem? Or is it more of a controlled Eminem? Like, he's, like he set boundaries just enough to where, like, it didn't go completely out of you know out of you know whack or anything like that but like is it was it because he was more mature he just controlled it better what do you guys what do you guys think i think Uh, it's mature because i mean like the persona of some shady is still a part of who he was um and now that he's stepped away from that uh he himself also said that you know he's not trying to do it for the shock value proven that's not what all he's worth or anything like that like that's growing up like him maturing some exactly right okay uh and in his in his uh review for all music stephen thomas Ellswine, the guy who completely butchered the shit out of limp biscuits uh records uh said the album proves eminem is the gold standard in pop music in 20 in 2002 delivering stylish cash catchy dense funny political music that rarely panders Critic Robert Christgau, I want to say that's how it's pronounced, wrote, I think it represents an articulate, coherent, formally formally appropriate response to Eminem's changing position and role, one that acknowledges the privileges and alienations that occur to all fame, as well as the resolution of Marshall Mathers' worst trauma and the specifics of his success. So... Um, let's see, Eden Gunnarsson of USA Today wrote that Eminem is as good as he gets, but the end elicits more damage on himself, hoisting the Eminem show to a level of self-absorption reveled only by Woody Allen. That's, that's interesting. He compared Eminem to Woody Allen. Um, y'all help me out with that. <laughs> well, no, no, for real, like I'm dead ass like, that one, because I'm like I'm like I'm not a big fan of Woody Allen, so I don't know if that's the comparison that they're trying to make at this at this point. Or, uh, so Woody Allen, uh, it, it's hard to explain Woody Allen uh, himself. Is he like, is he like over eccentric or something? Or, um, yes and no. Um, uh, so he he's very political but also specializes in like slapstick comedies uh yeah he's really weird because like 
Yeah, like you have to watch. Like it's so hard to explain. Like, uh, I mean, he always casts himself as the loser hero that you know gets. It's like such a cheesy. He has like cheesy undertones of his stuff, but a lot of it is political esque in a way. But yeah, it's so hard to like. Um, it's like it's more like Mr. Bean level comedy with actual like um let me think uh there's an actual message yeah and 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 a lot of time it's uh it's a it's a very political kind of message uh that he's input into this kind of slapstick comedy and you kind of have to pay attention to get it but once you get it you get it Okay, then if that's the case, then comparing Eminem to Woody Allen based on the Eminem show, that that fits then. Um, it says that Uncut wrote, behind the hype of and the swagger, he's still borrowing enough of his soul to the Eminem show to be, comp- to be considered compelling theater. Q Magazine was more mixed in its assessment, stating that as Eminem outgrows his old alter ego... So the oblig the ob- ob- obligatory yeah the obligatory <laughs> shut up uh the the villainy skits and crass cameos by Shady Records signing more has become more of a hindrance. Mark L. Hill of Pop Matters felt that the album lacked the shock factor of his previous albums and described it as disappointing, a disappointing contribution of prom- promising musical experimentation. And uninspired lyrics. Okay, wait. Okay. So this guy believed that it was a disappointing record because of its lack of shock value? Yes. Uh, okay, buddy. You know, figure boots. Um, but it says on June 3rd of 2002, Pitchfork Media's Ethan P. published a review of the Eminem show, which famously consisted of a... <laughs> meandering stream of consciousness dialogue while giving it a 9.1 out of 10 p vulgarly and comically criticized very criticized very at uh, various aspects of the album including its lead singles its lyrics and especially my daddy's gone crazy which he described as a sac saturn i want to say that's how it's pronounced i can't pronounce uh, Saturn sweetened <laughs> lemon incest gone faggy. Okay. The review, making uh, use of lines, breaks, and writing entirely in lowercase, refers written. to... Written. Say what? Written. That's what I said. You said writing. Writ- written, writing, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, referred in one session to... The him fucking Dre thing slash dyeing your hair and wearing earrings thing from the Aerosmith song and or Haley being the only lady he adores slash sleazy disco slash little Eric and Erica slash Dre is Batman and he is Burt Ward Robin slash etc. Wow, this guy went in. Despite its comically self uh, referenceable uh, self referenceable um sessions including a paragraph where p states if you're reading this sentence then wow i really got an unedited review on p fork 
in the parentheses it says sick and several offhand remarks yeah dude timberland is biting a um Aphex twin what okay uh yeah dude timberland is biting Aphex twins white ass to l uh haha i don't fuck uh i don't know fuck it here are some more bullshit things about actual record but right on schedule p fork review style wow that guy needs to hire a fucking writer or something the review has maintained on Pitchfork, uh, was maintained on the Pitchfork website, and P's rating for the Eminem show continues to be the publication's official rating of the album. So you rated a, a 9.1 out of 10, yet you shit all over the record. Yeah, because uh, this guy obviously hated his damn job at this point. <laughs> <laughs> right. I guess so. Uh, let's see. Blender, Music, and Launch named the Eminem show the best album of, 20, of 2002. The album became Eminem's third to win the Grammy Award for Best Rap Album, while Without Me won Eminem his first Best Music Video Award. The album swept the MTV Music Awards that year, winning the four awards for Best Male Video, Video of the Year, Best Direction, and Best Rap Video. The album also won Best Album at the 2002 MTV Europe Music Awards, both Album of the Year and Top R&B Slash Hip Hop Awards at the 2002 Billboard Music Awards, both Favorite Hip Hop Slash Rap Album and Favorite Pop Slash Rock Album at the 2003 American Music Awards, Best International Album at the 2003 Brit Awards, and International Album of the Year at the Juno Awards of 2003. Now, for those who don't know, the Juno Awards is a Canadian uh Pretty much the Canadian version of the American Music Awards, pretty much. Uh, I thought it was the one with the movie with Michael Sarah and the pregnant girl. All right. He's joking, Talon. <laughs> He's joking. I didn't even hear what he said. What? Uh, really? Okay. I didn't, you, know, you you blacked out um, for a second. I was like, oh, shit. Did I lose did I lose the uh, sound again? What did you say? Because I literally <laughs> I said, did not hear a word you said. <laughs> I said, I thought it was the one with Michael Sarah. And the uh, pregnant girl. Yeah, that movie sucked. <laughs> we did not suck. <laughs> I didn't. Know. It's not great, but it didn't suck. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, um, before we get into breaking down the album, um, real quick, the Eminem show received critical praise by most music critics and often debated as Eminem's most personal and best album. Uh, the album cemented Eminem's threepeat of classic hip hop albums. Let me rephrase. Let me re-say that. The Eminem cemented, or the album cemented Eminem's three-peat of classic hip-hop albums. That is a testament into its own, right. I would say. Uh, following the critical appraisal of the Slim Shady LP and the Mathers LP, in 2003, the album was ranked number 317 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest albums of all time and was later ranked at number 84 on the same magazine's best album of the 2000s decade. In 2007, it was ranked number 63 by the National Association of Recording Merchandisers in conjunction with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in their list of definite two, uh, sorry, Definite 200 albums of all time. In 2012, Complex Magazine deemed it a classic album that cemented Eminem's place as one of the most important figures 
in rap history. Following the 15th anniversary of the album, the Grammy Awards also described the Eminem show as a classic album. In 2015, the Eminem show was ranked number 56 on the greatest albums of of all time, Billboard 200 albums. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we talked about how great. I mean, we when we did that. Uh, was it ten? It was ten. Or the eight hip hop albums, uh, and albums that went platinum. It was ten. Diamond, yeah, sorry. diamond, diamond. Yeah, that went diamond. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he has two albums on there for a reason. Exactly. Right. Uh, so you guys want to get into breaking down the the tracks? I mean, we should. We're fifty minutes in, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, sorry, twenty minutes of that was me struggling to read. You're fine. <laughs> um. So, okay, so I struggle to read too, so I can't say anything. Right? We all do sometimes. Uh, so jumping into the album, the first track is actually just a skit, uh, and it's called "Curtains Up," and it's uh, it, it's different from the the intros to his first two albums, where there's someone reading like a public service announcement. Yeah, this is literally just um, you hear like an old school curtain drawing back and you hear footsteps walk up to what you find out is a mic the that causes reverb in the mic and then you just hear uh a tap 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 on the mic and uh and then you hear eminem clear his throat Yeah. yeah and then it goes straight into uh the very first song on the track on the album uh white america yep um what 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 were your guys uh, first thoughts on the song white america i was like oh shit he finna piss off a whole bunch of people (laughs) you know i mean it came out i was like 10 when it came out so i mean i didn't really i just knew it was different but i didn't really know the impact it was like having because i mean i'm a 10 year old kid i'm like i'm not politically inclined to anything like, right and i'm just like hearing him like do this song I'm like huh this is really different yeah ba- basically right. the, basically the song was it describes eminem's rise to prominence and the allegations from parents and politicians that he had influenced criminal behavior on young white americans at that point uh yeah um the intro to the song goes america ha 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 we love you how many people are proud to be citizens of this beautiful country of ours, the stripes and the stars, the rights that men have died for to protect the women and children or the women and men who have broke their necks for the freedom of speech. The United States government was sworn to uphold or so we're told, yo, I want everybody to listen to the words to this song. Yep. Uh, and I mean, for me that right there, when he was like, Hey, I want everybody to listen to the words to this song. Like that told me now, now mind you, I'm 20, 20 years old, 19, 20 years old at this time. Right. Damn, you, know, you old. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> I, was, I was 16. So yeah, I was, I was 10. Actually, I wasn't even 10 yet when the album came out. I was, I was still nine. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, when this album came out, I had already been in the military, got discharged, and everything. So, um, but he goes on to say in in the first verse, "I never would have dreamed in a million years I'd see so many motherfucking people who feel like me, who share the same views and the same exact beliefs. It's like a fucking army marching in back of me. So many lives I've touched, so much anger aimed in no particular direction. It just sprays and sprays." And straight through your radio waves, it plays and plays till it stays stuck in your head for days and days. Who would have thought standing in this mirror bleaching my hair with some peroxide reaching for a t-shirt to wear that I would catapult to the forefront of rap like this? How could I predict my words would have an impact like this? Like that right there tells you everything you need to know. Uh, just th those last two uh, bars that I said, you know, it, like growing up like all he ever wanted to be was a hip-hop artist and he never once in a million years thought that his words would have an impact that have the impact that they did yeah absolutely uh and it's so crazy because i mean this was at a time where he was public enemy number one in the eyes of a lot of people who did not you know they they felt that he glorified you know um, murder and you know everything like that and they were basically there was people senators and congress people and all that wanting to censor what he could say and everything like there's a reason the fucking cd had a parental advisory sticker you know what i mean so you know right what, what say you Raj? yeah i mean I, I recently listened to it again so i have more of a better understanding of it and everything i mean of course alone like uh, I mean, of course, obviously, White America could be one of your kids. White America, little Eric, just looks just like it looks just like this. White America, Erica loves my shit. I go to TR, look how many hugs I get. I mean, he's pretty much saying like, "Hey, yes, I am affecting your kids because I'm everywhere. Like, it's not his fault at all. He looks just like them, and he's." blown up like i keep saying like eminem like immediately got thrusted so high into pop culture yeah it's not yeah. his fault what he says has an effect and i've always hated like oh well such and such shouldn't say this or this like control your kids yeah How right exactly <laughs> i mean you know these like, albums had a parental advisory sticker on them for a reason it's exactly. not just to say oh well maybe you shouldn't know like you listen to this shit first and then determine if your children should listen to it, should listen to it. Right. And if you it's, don't think they should, then don't let them listen to it. It's like always when they were trying to blame GTA for stuff, like it literally has an M rating on it. Kids, they literally would not open the glass to the game case for anybody under the age of 16 to get those games. You have to have an ID. They just don't give it to you whenever, which means you bought it for your kid which means you aren't paying attention. That's your fault for being a shitty parent. Don't blame yeah. somebody else for you not raising your kids right. And I mean, at this point, it's boiled over. Like, he he made it in this song right here. <laughs> and the outro to it, uh, the uh, song alone, pretty much says it all, too. Yeah. Ugh. Ooh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, another lyric I want to talk about real quick. Uh, and it's in the second verse. Uh... 
where he says, let's do the math. If I was black, I would have sold half. I didn't have to graduate from Lincoln High School to know that, but I could rap. So fuck school. I'm too cool to go back. Give me the mic. Show me where the studio's at. When I was underground, no one gave a fuck I was white. No labels wanted to side me. Almost gave up. I was like, fuck it until I met Dre. The only one who looked past gave me a chance and I lit a fire under his ass. Helped him get back to the top. Every fan black that I got was probably his in exchange for every white fan that he's got. Like, damn it, we just swapped. Sitting back looking at shit, wow. I'm like, my skin, is it starting to work to my benefit now? Yeah. Uh, And what I take from that is in this era of hip-hop, it it is a predominantly black genre. Um. You know, and the the few white rappers that were out at this time were mostly looked at as comedy rappers, jokes, or whatnot. Yeah, that, and they also yeah. didn't have such lyrical strength either. They weren't lyrically good enough. Right. Um, I'm trying to think at this time... Besides Eminem, who the other... 2002? Yeah. White white rappers? Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say Insane Clown Posse, Twisted, Blaze Your Dead Homie. Pretty much anybody from the underground psychopathic I, records. Um, but I mean, they were underground, like, they weren't... Like, that's what I'm trying to right. think. Who, who, who was main, able to... Mainstream white yeah, rappers? Yeah. Yeah. In 2002? Ugh. 2002? I can't. I, honestly, I, I mean, can't. You think could of probably anybody. say Little White because he was on a three six record, but I don't really think he was. I mean, he was still technically underground too. Because Paul, Paul Wall didn't come by. And, Paul Wall didn't get didn't start popping until like what oh five oh six something like that. Um. Yeah. Whenever. Wish your house and all them came out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, you I had could... you you had uh Bubba Sparks. Lil White, uh, I, I I just looked it up and uh, yeah. those two and some dude name his his name was literally White Dude. Wow, never way, way to yeah way to put yourself out there, bro. <laughs> right, uh, and then it wasn't until '04 that we got Paul Wall. So I'm really trying to think about like, ooh. Yes, but I can see why Eminem was getting all the flack at that point. Exactly. So, uh, but back to what you were saying, Roger, like the outro to the uh, the song. Oh yes. Um, so the outro of it um, is so the parents of America. I am the Derringer and that little Erica to attack her character, the ringleader of the circus of worthless pawns sent to lead the march right up to the steps of Congress um, to burn the flag and replace it with a parental advisory sticker to spit liquor in the face of democracy of hypocrisy. Um, and they says, uh, fuck you was the freest of speech. This divided states of embarrassment will allow me to have fun. Fuck you. And then he goes, ha ha, I'm just playing America. You know, I love you. Like, <laughs> like, oh, ha ha. Yeah. It's a prank, bro. It's a prank. It's just a prank. Right. Yeah, didn't on that, didn't But also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. At this time, he was also getting, um, like, 
the fucking secret service was coming to his house (laughs) and and everything because they thought he was going to kill the president for whatever reason just because of this song because he was disrespect like he talked shit about them like the whole album he talked shit about them so yeah and that's why i think it's funny that when eminem did that cypher where he talked you know, he said, fuck you, Trump, pretty much overall. Oh, mm-hmm. look at him turning his back on uh, on his people. He was doing this literally back in the day. Like, right. People right. love to forget. Because that it doesn't fit. Emin- yeah, it, they forget like, conveniently yeah. when it doesn't fit their narrative. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's like Eminem ain't never been on your side. Right. <laughs> he exactly. literally made songs cracking jokes on your side. And literally telling you what side he stands on. Like, he ain't, he ain't betrayed nobody. You just hurt. You're, you, facts don't care about your feelings. Right. Your feelings got hurt. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so we move on to the next song, uh, Business, which is actually produced by Dr. Dre. Um, and, you know, M and Dre, they use the same superhero theme to get rid of the real villain, Bad Lyricism. Uh, <laughs> He's like, Marsh, you, sound like, oh. like an SOS. Holy whack, unlyrical lyrics, Andre. You're fucking right. To the rap mobile. Let's go. You know, like that part of me was just hilarious to me. Um, when they did like that I, whole deal. I hated, I hated the intro so much, but it's. it's I, I did too. I, dude, I love the intro. I'm sorry. I love it. I'm sorry. I did. <laughs> it's so cheesy. Oh, oh, so see, that's what makes yeah. it great is the fact that it's so cheesy. That's what makes it great. I'm sorry. I think it's great. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so, so in his book, The Way I Am, on page 175, Eminem shared that as a little boy, he watched Batman on his mom's black and white TV, and he wanted the song Business uh, to be the rap version of Batman with Dre as Batman and himself as Robin. He adds that from the beginning, he and Dre planned to grow beards and get weird. Could you imagine... Dre with a beard. I mean, I couldn't imagine Dre, uh, M with a beard until he grew one, and now I can't like imagine him without the beard, right? But I mean, could y'all imagine Dre with a beard? No. <laughs> I I really can't. Like, uh... <laughs> is that a, is that a, is that a, like? I'm glad he didn't do that. Because how bad would right. that have been? Oh, it would have been terrible. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the beginning of Eminem's first verse, he says, uh, you about to witness hip-hop in its most purest, most rawest form, flaw, flow almost flawless. <clears throat> My hardest, most honest known artist, chip off the old block, but old Doc is back. Look like Batman got his own Robin. Oh God, Saddam's got his own Laden right back into the political right there like it's it's a cheesy campy song but then you know he's like you know oh god saddam's got his own laden like you know you take two of the worst uh terrorists (laughs) of all time you know and you're like man they're gonna tag team they're gonna team up no fuck that and then to to end the verse, he said, "Hip hop is in a state of nine one one, like yeah. almost uh, almost a reference to uh, the nine eleven yeah. attacks." Yeah, that w, double innuendo. 
Yep. Double entendre, if you will. Yep, one hundred percent. I'm trying I'm trying to look for the lyrics for the Which one? Uh, I'm looking through them right now. Okay. AZLyrics.com, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I use genius. Yeah, I use oh. genius. Um in the second verse he's like the most hated on out of all those who say they get hated on in any songs exaggerated all so much they make it all up there's no such thing like a female with good looks who cooks and cleans Um, it just means so much more to so much more people when you're rapping and you know what for the show must go on so i'd like to welcome y'all to marshall and andre's carnival like I mean, he's saying he don't care. Like it, it matters more to everyone else but him. Like right. everything that's going on, like is like that. That's what we're saying. Like his maturity. Like he's letting shit go. He doesn't care anymore. Um, and he was hated on for literally every single album until this point. So right, he actually knew what they like. He was getting sued by everybody. They were trying to literally censor him, cancel him back in the days. What it was called censoring is canceling. I mean, but he didn't give a shit. Once he grew out of it, he like, you know what? It matters more to you people than it does to me. And then, I mean, hey, he's still going strong after all these years. Yeah, he is. It's great. Exactly. Um, so, uh, aside from hating the intro, Roger, what do you, what do you think about this song? Oh, I, I love the song. It's just an intro. Like, I get it. He wanted to do, like, it's an homage to... Uh, Batman, the Adam West Batman, which is amazing. Yes. Um, but like, it's just like it's so cheesy for, especially right after White America. That's what you hear. Yes. So if it, <laughs> so if the song was later on in the album, you wouldn't have had a problem with the intro. Well, I mean, I still have a problem with it because the song is so serious itself. Like, it's just, it just, a, it's a bad clash in all of it. Okay. But like, no, like I said, the, the song is. I like the song. I really do. Uh, I listened to it earlier today. And I was like, man, it's been a while since I heard this one. I was just like, this is so good. Once I got past that long guest intro. <laughs> 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 right. All right. Uh, so, so moving on from there, we go to uh, probably the most infamous song on this album. and maybe the most infamous song of Eminem's entire career. Um, Ooh, oof, that's a hard one to say. <laughs> I said, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, if you haven't guessed it yet, we're talking about uh, cleaning out my closet. Uh, <laughs> yep. Wow. Uh, so, in this song, Eminem raps about his father abandoning him as a child, his turbulent affair with his ex-wife Kim, and his irreparable damaged relationship with his mother Debbie. Uh, for an update to Eminem's relationship with his mom, check out Headlights from the 2013 album. Marshall Mathers LP two. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. Uh, but I mean, the first, the first verse, it is just, wow. Like he's literally putting it all out there. You know, he's, he's asking you, have you ever been hated or discriminated against? I have, I've been protested and demonstrated against picket signs for my wicked rhymes look at the times sick is the mind of the motherfucking kid that's behind all this commotion emotion run deep as oceans exploding tempers flaring from parents just blowing them off and keep going not taking nothing from no one give them hell long as i'm breathing keep kicking ass in the morning and taking names in the evening um 
this is in this is all in reference to uh the 2001 grammy awards where eminem performed the song stan with elton john yeah there were actually protesters outside the award show urging the cancellation of eminem's performance because of his lyrics and it's funny to think that uh knowing the history between elton john and eminem that elton john is eminem's uh sober swasser yeah exactly <laughs> like eminem says it himself he does not hate gay people it's a shock value thing is yeah it's the it's the some shaded persona it's literally I, I, it's the him that's not the him it's the opposite of him yeah it's his alter ego i mean it's the it's literally the opposite of him is everything that he doesn't actually believe and think and like stands up for and everything he's like but hey this is this will get traction right yes yeah. and then, i mean in wrestling terms it's his gimmick yes like it's like uh when Abyss did the Abyss and Dr. Chris gimmick. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, that was then, so bad. Right. It was. <laughs> but then you look to the second verse. Um, and the second verse, we, we go straight into storyteller mode in the second verse. Um, where he's like, I got some skeletons in my closet and I don't know if no one knows it. So before they throw me inside this coffin and close it, I'm going to expose it. I take you back to 73 before I ever had a multi-platinum selling CD. I was a baby. Maybe I was just a couple of months. My faggot father ha- must have had his panties up in a bunch because he split. I wonder even if he kissed me goodbye. No, I don't second thought. I just, I just fucking wish he would die. And then it cuts there when it goes, I look at Haley and I couldn't picture leaving her side. Even if I hated Kim, I grip my teeth and I try to make it work for her, at least for Haley's sake. I maybe made some mistakes, but I'm only human, but I'm man enough to face them today. What I did was stupid. No doubt it was dumb. But the smartest shit I did was take the bullets out of that gun because I'd have killed him. Shit, I would have shot Kim and him both. It's my life. I'd like to welcome y'all to the Eminem show. Bringing it full circle with, you know, calling it the Eminem show, but also telling the story of why, of what possibly could have happened. Yeah, his father, you know, had his panties up in a bunch, whatever, left, you know, didn't, he doesn't realize if, you know, he doesn't even wonder if he kissed him goodbye. Then he's like, no, second thought, I just wish he would fucking die. Like, like his father isn't even a factor in his life at this point anymore, you know, but it also right. kind of brings it full circle. I look at Haley and I couldn't picture leaving her side. Basically it's him in a roundabout way saying I will be, I'll be a better father than he ever was kind of deal. You know, even if I hated Kim, you know, to make it work for her, at least for Haley. And, 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 and again, like, you know, cause at the time he was going through the separation, the divorce and, you know, yeah, I mean, it's a fucked up situation when anybody, you know, like, I mean, obviously when two people are butting heads together, you know, maybe a separation at that point is the best, you know, for everybody in the, in the situation. You feel bad for the kid in that situation. Um, right. Uh, thankfully, but- I hopefully, hopefully God's, God's plan, I don't ever have to go through that situation um, because then I don't want either of my kids to think, is it my fault? You know what I mean? Because some kids actually do have that belief that it's their fault mommy and daddy aren't together anymore you know oh yeah um what say uh, you roger i mean i was going to do the third verse which is oh. the direct uh, shots to his mom <laughs> okay yeah. well real quick before we get to that yeah. um the the lyric in this where he said uh what i did was stupid no doubt it was dumb but the smartest shit i did was take the bullets out of that gun because i'd have killed him shit i would have shot kim and him both 
that it's it's directly related to uh he pistol whipped uh, a guy who he caught kissing his wife at the time kim uh, he claims he hit the guy with his fist uh but if the gun had been loaded he would have faced jail time now i'm telling you if if this motherfucker hit me that hard that i thought he hit me with a gun good lord right <laughs> that's duffed yeah i mean <laughs> straight duffed <laughs> we're getting uh, that put on a damn t-shirt get duffed yes mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i told y'all i'm working on new new merch there you go don't worry movementradio.us uh, check out the merch store so the third verse is directly to his mom um there's a lot into it um i mean there's he goes now i would never diss my own mama just to get recognition take a second to listen before you think this record is dissing um but put yourself in my position just try to envision witnessing your mama popping prescription pills in the kitchen bitching that someone's always going through a purse and shit's missing going through public houses and systems victim much housing syndrome my whole life i was made to believe i was sick when i wasn't um then later on it says um uh but guess what you're getting older now and it's cold where you're lonely when you're lonely and nathan's growing up so quick he's gonna know that you're phony and he's getting so big now you should see her she's beautiful but you'll never see her she won't even be at your funeral yeah see what hurts me the most is if you won't admit you was wrong bitch your song keep telling yourself that you was a mom but how dare you try to take what you didn't help me to get yourself a bitch i hope you fucking burning in hell for this shit remember when ronnie died and you said you wished it was me well guess what i am dead dead to you asking me i mean that's some deep shit that's some very deep shit uh and in case anybody's wondering what munchausen syndrome is um it's it's actually a a mental disorder where a caregiver usually a mom harms their children or describes non-existent symptoms in order to get sympathy and attention uh if you like the most recent case is that um rose girl um they did a hulu show about her um and her mom had munchausen's and she made this girl believe that she had like cancer she forced doctors to give her like a stomach pump um remove her teeth like it was a lot of like fucked up stuff um and she did end up killing her mother eventually but i mean that was all that was all shit based on a true story though wasn't it yeah all that actually happened oh wow yeah like, it, I mean, you go and, like, you should watch the show. Like, everybody should watch the show because it really does. I mean, obviously, it's a little bit more traumatized, but I mean, that's actually what happened to a person. I think Discovery now, on Discovery Plus, there's actually a, um actual documentary on her, like, with her, the actual girl in the situation. It's like a confessional kind of thing, I think is what it was, the confessional tapes. Um, but yeah, like, she went through a lot of shit like her mom shaved her head and everything like uh she uh, made her believe that she couldn't walk so she was in a wheelchair a lot when she was in public it's just a lot of fucked up things yeah oh so yeah it's, man it is an actual disorder um it's hard to it's hard to i guess help because they don't believe they're sick they believe somebody else is sick right 100 percent but um 
I was gonna say, uh, uh, with um, oh, sorry, I had a burp. Um, so Eminem's mom actually had a biography come out in 2008, an autobiography. It says autobiography. I don't believe she wrote it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the uh, biography is called My Son. Mar- <laughs> yeah, it says My Son Marshall, My Son Eminem, um, and it's there's a line. There's a part in the book um, that actually references the Uncle Ronnie situation. Um, she said, I've apologized so many times for saying I wished he was dead instead of Ronnie. Of course, I didn't mean it, but Marshall refused even to discuss the subject. He feeling came out 10 years later on cleaning out my closet when he used my words against me and said that I was now dead to him. I can't listen to it without sobbing. I'm so sorry I said that. It's something I will regret to my dying day. Um, I mean... What most people don't realize is words hurt worse than actual physical activity. Yeah, Because words will stick to you forever. They stick in your brain and they will always come back at some point. A bruise will heal. Yeah. Yeah. I hate to say sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Bullshit. Shit. Bullshit. Words, words will hurt you more than sticks and stones ever will. <clears throat> go through. Go. Like, for all for the young listeners out there, go through a breakup in high school. Tell me words don't hurt after that shit. When right. she starts airing out your shit in front of everybody, right? <laughs> when she starts clapping her hands in front of everybody, talk about you. Tell me them words don't hurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, or I mean, like bullying. Like, it's a big thing. Cyberbullying is words. Yeah, kids are killing Probably. themselves over words. Yeah, like words do fucking hurt. So that saying is bullshit. Yeah. And yeah, call us soft or snowflakes or whatever. But who has not been hurt by words? I can't think of a person who hasn't. No. So moving on from cleaning out my closet, we're going to jump to the next song. And it's uh, Square Dance. Again, another um, politically driven song. Yeah, it's, it's very politically driven, but it's also a diss towards another white rapper named cannabis i thought it was a black guy cannabis is, black. is cannabis black yeah cannabis yeah. is black uh, yeah. my fault i thought he was white no uh, can he's um he was on a uh was it url no it wasn't url it was uh um, kotd he battled a disaster kotd yeah and he actually it was trash because he was at this point in his career he was horrible but he literally like read out of his notebook directly are you on stage me? Oh, you've not seen. Oh, okay. I want to. I want to find it. I'm going to send it to you. Yeah, I want to find this. Send it to you. (laughs) Yes, please, please do. Um, but so in this song, uh, he literally says, "Can a bitch don't want none, or he don't want no beef with Slim? No, not even on my radar. So won't you please jump off my dick, lay off, and stay off?" Uh, and apparently this song was a direct, uh, response to Cannabis's song "Draft Me." In, in which cannabis threatened to uh, harm or to he, he threatens to an unnamed rival and expresses a desire to fight in the war on terror, even including a quote by George Bush at the end of the song in square dance, Eminem attacks cannabis and delivers an anti-draft anti-war anti-Bush message. Uh, and in Eminem's book, the way I am on page 173, Eminem revealed that he worked on this music for this song between scenes on the set of the movie Eight Mile. He hummed his idea for the bass line to Jeff Bass 
and Luis Restro, who always were able to give him what he wanted after he hummed just one time. Wow. Just one time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, I remember I remember this one very uh you know, he uh, he did the cambit, but then it starts off with it's like never been the type to bend or budge, the wrong button to push, no friend of Bush. I'm a, I'm the centerpiece, you're a Maltese, I'm a pit bull off his lease, all this peace talk can cease. Um and then it it bounces around a little bit there, but once it gets to the second verse where he goes, the boogie monster of rap. Yeah, the man's back with a plan to ambush this Bush administration. Mush the Senate's face and push this generation of kids to stand and fight for the right to say something you might not like. This white hot light that I'm under. No wonder I look sunburnt. Oh no, I won't leave no stone unturned. And then it bounces around where he goes to... um When he talked about the, talking about the draft and stuff like that, he goes, next thing you know... You got Uncle Sam's ass asking to join the army or what you'll do for the Navy. You just a baby getting recruited at 18. You're on a plane now eating their food and their baked beans. I'm 28. They're going to take you for they take me. Crazy, insane, or insane crazy. When I say Hussein, you say shady. My views ain't change. Still inhumane. Wait, arranged two days late. The dates today hang me. Kind of in reference to the whole... Uh, hanging of uh, Saddam Hussein in that in that uh, aspect. Oh, uh, he one hundred percent referenced that. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, what what do you say about this one, Raj? Yeah. Um, I like I, like I said, I recently went back and listened to it. Um, I listened to some of it today. Um, because like oh, I said, me too. I didn't. I mean, back then when it came out, I really didn't understand a lot of this stuff. But yeah, um, I didn't actually know it was like, I didn't know he had beef with cannabis, to be honest, like that. Um, uh, but no, like going through it and knowing now, uh, like, is this and this is this what ended cannabis's career? Maybe. I mean, it might be. Eminem ended a, a couple of careers in his in his time. Because right? I mean, cannabis got dis- dissed by LL Cool J and Eminem. I mean, bro, you ain't like you wasn't big dog like that. Why? Why you have these beefs? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, the super uh, anti. I mean, the, obviously, the political message in this one is really strong too. And the crazy thing um, is, which, that, I'm sorry, Roger, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I mean, you. No, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, like, and Square, I mean, Square Dance was very much politically, it was pretty much an attack on the Bush administration, but it ain't nothing compared to the next album's um, song that he uh, dedicated to the, future, to the uh, former president of the United States. But we'll get to that on the, on the next episode. Right. Um, you got anything else to say about this song, Rob? Well, I think I think this might have been the song that actually got him to in deep water, uh, hot water, not deep water. Well, um, hot water with uh, this uh, Secret Service overall. Uh, it's possible. Um, but, but I mean, this this was a straightforward one yeah. overall. Uh, 
next up is another skit uh it's called the kiss and uh this skit is a direct reenactment of what happened on June 4th, 2000, around 2 a.m. in the morning in Warren, Michigan. Eminem with his friend Gary Kozlov was at his friend Gary Kozlov's house when he heard that his then wife, Kimberly Scott, was in the company of another man. Eminem and Kozlowski in Kozlowski's car then drove to the Hot Rocks Cafe and allegedly found Kim in the parking lot kissing the bouncer of said club john guerrera at which point eminem would have jumped out of the car and pistol whipped guerrera with an unloaded nine millimeter in the following song on the album soldier he seems to confirm this where he said and we'll talk about that when we get there but but the song says you know pistol whip pistol whipping motherfucking bouncer six two who need bullets as soon as i pull it you sweating bullets but then he seems to contradict himself on the song sing for the moment where he says you're full of shit too Guerrero that was a fist that hit you admitting that he did assault Guerrero though not using a pistol he also denied a pistol whipping later in court the skit is the beginning of a story that continues on the very next song of the album soldier and ends on say goodbye to Hollywood the background song heard at the beginning of the skit is Eminem's unofficially released track everybody's looking at me um, I didn't know, <clears throat> I didn't know that he had a, a, an unreleased track called Everybody's Looking at Me, uh, but I just looked it up and it, uh, it apparently features, uh, proof, uh, God rest his soul. But, um, on this song, uh, Detroit rappers Eminem and Proof team up on an energetic freestyle and the two artists rap about a variety of issues, including their interactions with the pressing media and their relationship with the Shady Records label. The track stems from a, se- a freestyle with Funk Flex, which he debuted in January of 2012. Interesting. So I'm going to have to go back and listen to that song. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, have, have you guys ever heard that song? Mm, never heard of it. I haven't heard the song, no. Uh, mm. so, yeah, that's definitely some homework there. Yep. Yep. Um, right I, I got enough homework already speak. as it is. Shit. Yeah, you got a shit ton of homework. I know. Uh, so we move on from the skit to the song "Soldier." Um, so in the seventh song off the Eminem's show, M details his dealings with the law because of his weapon charges, and boasts his fearless nature with them, which is uh is contradicted a song later. The song in the middle of the story started with the kiss and concludes with say goodbye to Hollywood. Um, But I really like this song. Uh, I I love the beat to it and everything. Uh, But I mean, you know, the first verse, he goes on to say, you know, never was a thug just infatuated with guns. Never was a gangster till I graduated one and got the rep of a feeling for weapon concealing. Took the image of a thug, kept sh- shit appealing. Willing to stick out my neck for respect if it meant life or death. Never give, never live to regret what I said. When you're me, people just want to see if it's true. If it's you, what you say in your raps, what you do. So they feel it's part of your obligation to fulfill when they see you on the streets face to face. Are you for real? And confrontation ain't no conversation if you feel... 
you're in violation any hesitation will get you killed if you feel it kill it if you conceal it reveal it being reasonable leave you full of bullets pull it squeeze it till it's empty tip me push me pussies <clears throat> i need a good reason to give this trigger a good squeeze you know he's basically saying that you know all this shit that people were saying about him wasn't true until it was true right yeah uh, i mean yeah it's just when you get when you get lyrics like this you're, you're like oh he really did that stuff right like there's no disputing it on this one yeah and then the second verse which you alluded to a little while ago when he, he kicked it off with like i love pissing you off it gets me off like my lawyers when the fucking judge lets me off all you motherfuckers gotta do is set me off i'll violate and then all motherfucking bets be off basically violent his whatever you know anything right. else, i'm a lit fuse anything you know anything i do bitch it's news pistol whipping motherfucking bouncer six two who needs bullets soon as i pull it you sweat bullets and excellent and this is part where i thought was just fucking brilliant where he goes an excellent method to get rid of the next bully actually better because instead of the murdering you can hurt him and come back again and kick dirt in him it's like pouring salt in the in the womb a salt and get sued you can smell the lawsuits coming across the room everybody halt stops calls the cops all you see is bitches coming out the halter tops, running and ducking out the hot rocks parking lot. You'll all get shot whether it's your fault or not. Like, whoa. Like, he basically took the whole entire situation and spun it on its fucking head. Like, whoo. Okay. And, you know, and then that, that little bit where he's talked about, you know, an excellent method to get rid of the next bully. Actually better because instead of the murdering, you can hurt him and come back again and kick dirt at him. And it's like, so basically he took he basically you know instead of like like instead of just murdering mean, basically i mean he murdered him on the fucking track let's be honest i mean that you know taking the whole incident and just flipping it in a, in a verse i just beautiful it's just beautifully written at that you know what do y'all feel about the second verse uh i mean uh not much to say besides the fact that you know he's admitting to piss whipping the shit out of him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what is there to say? Uh, he he basically laid out this whole situation in a, in a verse, you know. Yeah, and then in the third verse, just I mean, he, he's like, I spit it slow so these kids know that I'm talking to them. Give it back to these damn critics and sock it to them. I'm like a thug with a little bit of pock influence. I spew it, then look how I got you bitches rocking to it. And then this is where it's kind of like, okay, he goes, you motherfuckers could never do it like I could do it. Don't even try it. You look stupid. Do not pursue it. Don't, don't ever in your life try to knock the truest. I spit the illest shit ever dropped in two inch. You know, and then it's like, um, there's there's, a, there's a one part here where, where he goes, listen to the sound of me spilling my heart through this pen. Motherfuckers know that I'll never be Marshall again. You know, almost is like he's saying like, you know, like this, I mean, it's Eminem, so it's kind of like, you know, did he leave Marshall Mathers behind for this particular song, or is this a situation of, you know, this is how they see me, so fuck it, this is how I'm going to be? Like, how do you guys interpret that? Um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be, um, like him saying that he is no longer going to be Marshall, he's only ever going to be known as Slim or as Eminem. And I mean, we only refer to him as Eminem now, so I mean... Right. right. 
I mean, you got your you got your work name, you got your shoot name, and sometimes your work name is your real name from now on. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, but overall, I think the song is just incredible. I think the beat's good, the bass line's awesome. Um, you know, tells a good story um, from the standpoint of like storytelling aspects of like real life, true events, and then taking certain scenarios, flipping them on their head, and things of that nature. So, I enjoyed this song. Yeah, I mean, I it, it's. It's catchy. It's catchy. Yeah, it's it's not one of, yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's one of the better songs on the album, in my opinion. Right. And the thing is, this album is so stacked that I mean, it is one of the better ones. But like, this album has like a, a like it's like great tier, like like best tier, great tier, and then good tier. Like, there's nothing below good. Right. So like it's like everything's good or better than that, and I I put this one like in that great that middle tier. Uh, like I mean, it's a catchy song and everything. It's I like it and everything. There's nothing really wrong with it, but I don't think it's like in that best level for me. Right. Okay. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna move on from this song to the third song in this trilogy here. Um, saying goodbye, saying goodbye, it's saying goodbye, yeah. saying goodbye, uh, Hollywood. <laughs> so, so there's actual uh, a little bit of controversy over this song, uh, for the song title. On the back of the his CD case, it, the song is titled "Say Goodbye to Hollywood." However, Eminem has actually said that the uh, the song title is "Saying Goodbye to Hollywood." Mm. Um. Yeah, so he actually co- quotes Billy Joel in uh, bidding Tinsel Sound his au revoir. Uh, the song is the conclusion of the story started with The Kiss on track six, followed by Soldier on track seven. Um, in this track, track eight acts as the aftermath of the incident of the two previous tracks. Ironically enough, the tracks stimulate from the Eight Mile Soundtrack's bonus CD was originally going to be track eight on the Eminem show, but it was removed from the album for this song to be put on. That's pretty cool, actually. It's cool, yeah. Uh, you know, so in, in verse one, he, he says, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. I did. I thought I was tough enough to stick it out with Kim, but I wasn't tough enough to juggle two things at once. I found myself laying on my knees in cuffs, which should have been a reason enough for me to get my stuff and just leave. How come I couldn't see this shit myself? It's just me. Nobody couldn't see the shit I felt. Knowing damn well she was going to be there when I fell. To catch me, the minute she, shit was heated, she just bailed. I'm standing here swinging on like 30 people myself. <clears throat> I couldn't see the millimeter when it felt. Uh turn around saw gary stashing the heater in his belt saw the bouncers rush him and beat to the ground i just sold two million records i don't need to go to jail i'm about to lose my freedom over no female i'm not about to lose my freedom freedom over no female i need to slow down try to get my feet on solid ground so for now and then it goes into the chorus I mean, saying goodbye, saying goodbye. Yes, saying goodbye. It's probably my favorite chorus on the whole entire album. Oh, I, I, yeah. It, it's it's. I would say it's probably the catchiest. Yeah, yeah, uh, for it's sure. Just so funny, you know. But I mean, he basically is telling you, like, okay, 
so in the previous song he's like yeah i i fucked this dude up and now i'm in handcuffs i just sold two million album or two million albums i don't need to go to jail like i need to get my shit straight right now right yeah um, almost almost like when you, it's like you do something and then immediately afterwards it's like did you do that and you're like well see um what what had happened was um she kissed him and and, and i got upset and i walked over to him to have a conversation and like it had rain and you know the gun slipped out my hands you know some bullshit you know right you know you know I, you know you know you start you know you like you know you 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 trying to make up an excuse and you tilt your head to the side you start scratching your head and shit like it, it's it's one of those where you're like see what happened was <laughs> said that um <laughs> uh, but no like this is the fact that this is like a weird like mini story in the album um i don't know it's it's weird to me that it just like it's talking about the situation in the middle of this political album i guess uh it is a catchy song overall uh but uh i mean oh it starts from oh uh like it's like uh starts pretty easy then it goes like yeah i beat the shit out of that dude to oh man what did i do like it's like I don't know, it's like a backtrack kind of thing. It's weird to me, right? Almost like he's like not 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 regretting what he did, but it's like maybe if if I had done something different, kind of thing. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like, but like I said, I like the song. Uh, I think it definitely has the uh, the catchiest, not the best, but the catchiest um, chorus, right? Um, on the album. <laughs> say goodbye. Say goodbye. Say goodbye. Stuck in his head goodbye. all night tonight, yeah. like Jim. <laughs> he gonna oh, this, wake thing, up. this thing plays in my head randomly like when i'm just walking around it like the course just randomly plays in my head sometimes it doesn't even have to be for any specific reason <laughs> right right uh so so from there we move on to what i i perceive as the the worst track on the album um and I mean, it's still a good song. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's the if you know everything else is great, and good. This is in that third tier that uh, you were talking about earlier, Roger. Um, just my opinion. Uh, we're talking about the song "Drips," um, and so due to the song's explicit subject matter, this song was actually removed from the album's clean version. Uh, and if you don't know, this song is actually about how. Obi Trice and Eminem had sex with this girl who gave them both STDs. Yeah, and it get and it gets graphic. <laughs> oh y'all, 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 y'all upset about oh Cardi B and Meg The Stallion uh, WAP song? Mm, go back and listen to this. <laughs> you be re trying to cancel Eminem again, man? It, people people upset about Cardi B and uh, Megan Thee Stallion singing WAP, they never listened to uh, fucking 3-6 Mafia getting some head. Right. I mean, did they ever listen to David Banner's play? No. Did they ever listen to Whisper Whisper Song? song? (laughs) (laughs) Did they ever listen to Genuine? Like, (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Man, we pick and choose. You know, we as a society, we pick and choose uh, what we're going to quote-unquote cancel. 
Yeah, but, but here's but, the thing. They, they act like... Yeah, but we they act, act like... like yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. I Go mean, ahead. fucking, they try to cancel Elvis. You know what I mean? Like... Well, I mean, come like, on, man. Like the thing is, like they act like rock don't have sexually explicit lyrics. Oh, rock has like, absolutely has sexually explicit lyrics. Like they, like rap is always the main target, right? Because hey, y'all the never demographic heard is mainly of color, right? <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all never heard uh, "Pour Some Sugar on Me." Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, y'all know what that song's about. <laughs> Have you seen the video? Like, they didn't really hide much. Cherry pie. Right? I mean, come on, yeah. guys. Cherry pie. Or Steel Panther. You know, Steel like... Panther. Fucking, you know, Bad Girlfriend <laughs> like... by fucking Theory of a Dead Man. Really, you don't know what that song's about? Really? Like, oh, come on. Like, yeah. Stop picking and choosing. Like, music's music. It yeah. ain't aimed towards kids. Like the thing is, it's not aimed towards kids. It has this parental advisory store. Um, it has this explicit title lyric on it. Like it's not meant for kids. Right. It's your fault for letting your kids hear this stuff. You know what? Like, you, you know what's so weird is that like when we were like when all this crazy shit was going on back in like 2002 and things of that nature. Like I mean, we we were aware of it, man, but we we didn't really like. Like, no, we didn't really give a fuck about politics or who was canceling who or any of that bullshit because, I mean, we had stuff that we could do to get away from it. Now we're, you know, we're all adults and shit and we hear it constantly, I guess, due to the social media and the 24 hour news cycle and shit like that. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, I guess because there's more of it, it's more, it's like, oh my God, it's worse now than it's ever been before. No, it's about the same. We're just recording more of it, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's not worse. It's just that. Is everybody now knows about it because everybody has a way, shape, or form to hear about it. Right. Right. I mean, you think back in 2002, social media was nowhere near as prominent as it is today. Yeah. There were still shitty AOL chat rooms. Right. You know, to to have a Facebook, you had to fucking go to a school, like a college. Yeah. You know, you couldn't just randomly sign up for 37 different facebook accounts to troll people from right i mean they have myspace that's i mean that's about it you know loved myspace yeah we disrespected myspace who who disrespected myspace we all did when we left it oh yeah tom gave us every fucking thing and mark zuckerberg wants to take everything away (laughs) like he like think about it our we learned how to code to change our backgrounds and add cool little effects on our profile pages they let us have a top friends list so we didn't actually have to see the shitty friends we didn't give a care about. We could put a playlist on our album. Oh, like, right? <laughs> like, Tom's like, I gave y'all everything and y'all shit on me. There uh-huh. was some, no, I, I'd literally seen this tweet the other day. Uh, this girl was like, you know what Facebook needs? It needs a music player to like play like your 10 favorite songs or whatever. And the first comment was, bitch, have you ever heard of MySpace? She's like, is that but, new? And is this, it, 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 like the shaking head emoji or some shit is like, but like, but it's true though. I mean, yeah, MySpace, MySpace fucking died when I was, when before I even got to high school. So that's been at least fourteen years. Right. So yeah, a lot of these kids don't know what the hell that is. Right. I mean, MySpace died uh, in two thousand eight. I mean, it died in two thousand eight, but people was not definitely using it up to do. <laughs> And actually, uh, I, I think it's it's still around. Like it is. You um, can some some other people bought. Like it was. It became. It's more of a musical promotional thing now. Right. Yeah. If you got a band or something, it's like, hey guys, go check out the MySpace page or something. You know. Which to be real about, like that's what MySpace MySpace early on had that 
to begin with. Like, it, like and that's how I discovered a lot of the bands I listened to to begin with. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for, I mean, if it, if it wasn't for MySpace, I probably wouldn't have known who uh, Flaw was, uh, uh, Soil, a uh, couple of other heavy heavier bands like that. Like, I'm just like thinking about it, but thinking about it now, I was like, man, why do we care so much about Facebook? Like. We need a break. We go back to my. Let's go and get old MySpace back. Because <laughs> to be honest, uh, I mean, I miss not having music just playing immediately when I get on my profile and then having to see everybody's super status update. Right. Right. So uh, what's ironic is uh, if you go to the MySpace, go to MySpace.com, it's still active. You can still use it. But there's a it says sign in with your Facebook account to find friends who are already on my space. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, let's, uh, we've, we've di- digressed a little <laughs> bit. A yes. Lot. Um, Welcome to the ADD uh, edition of, uh, rap. <laughs> right. Uh, what did you guys think about drips? It's a dirty song. Dirty, filthy, <laughs> disgusting, it, vulgar. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. No, nah, I'm just kidding. I mean, uh, it, was, it was all right. I mean, I mean, it was. I mean, it was. So, so. It was kind of more. It, this, this. If I could say that any song on the album was more slim shady, this would be the song. Yeah, this this song on the album doesn't make sense on this album. It, it doesn't fit the the content of the album. Right. Not at all. Like it's so random. Yeah. Very much. Uh. All right. I think we're gonna move on to the next song, right? Uh, I mean, it, I mean, there's nothing really to say about it. It's a, it's a gross song. It's a random. It's, a, it's like you said, it's a some shady song. Like it doesn't make, it does not fit this album whatsoever. Uh. <laughs> right. Uh. But so next up is a a, a Paul Rosenberg skit, uh, and it, it basically goes uh, through Eminem's history of having problems with guns and getting in trouble with them. Uh, he pulled out a gun. At, or he he pulled out guns at the wrong time and uh got probation and fines for them uh is paul it, rosenberg his manager or his agent uh i think it's his manager okay just double check here uh good old wikipedia will tell me who paul rosenberg is because i'm he's, having, he's I know his he, manager. manager manager okay that's what i figured yeah I mean, because like the skits always make it seem like he's the manager, but then sometimes it's like his agent. So I'm like, yeah, like it's so weird. <laughs> you know, I mean, in this, it, he literally says, don't bring your gun outside of your home. You can't carry it on you. Leave your fucking gun at home. Yep. You know, like, you know, hey, Em, I know you got these guns, but but leave them motherfuckers at home. Right. Um, already people, there's people saying that, you, you know, you're. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so from this we go to uh, Obi Trice, real name no gimmicks. Truth, go to girls go around the outside. <laughs> without me, I mean it's such a oh shit! I I, I skipped over without me. I'm sorry. Wow, bro. <laughs> oh shit! Yes. Uh, Guess who's back? Back again. again. Uh, so Jay, this is back. actually the. This is actually the lead single, uh, and it it shows Eminem's realization of 
his importance to the rap game and his claim that he wouldn't be the same without him or that, that it wouldn't be the same without him. Without Me is recognized to be one of the densest raps in history, although often ignored as such because of its quote-unquote poppy and lead single. The song charted at top, uh, as a top five hit in 20 countries, reaching number one in 13 of them, including Australia, Ireland, Germany, and Switzerland, and was later featured on the soundtrack album for 2016's film, Suicide Squad. Hmm. Uh, really? Yeah. That's what it says. Uh, but but yeah, I, I can't believe that I, I, I skipped over this. Uh, <laughs> so this actually uh, comes before the <laughs> the Paul Rosenberg skit. Yeah, that's what I was wondering like, why you went into that. But I was like, oh, okay. That's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good Lord, how did I skip this? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, he's like, two trailer park girls go around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. Two trailer park girls go around the outside, around the outside, around the outside. And then he go, it goes into, guess who's back? Back, back again. again. Shady's back. back. Tell a friend. Guess who's back? Guess who's back? So if there's any... <laughs> This song is so good. <laughs> uh, but uh, to to dispute what Talon said earlier, I think if there's any song that's specifically Slim Shady, okay, on the album, okay. it's this one. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know. Like just... it's a mix. It's a mix. Because like the whole point is that he does say that. I mean, in the first verse, I've created a monster because nobody wants to see Marshall no more. They want Shady. I'm chopped liver. Well, if you want Shady, that's what I'll give you. So, I mean, like, yeah. it's him being him, but like, him being not shady. being the same. Like, yeah, like, it, it's, it's like Eminem it's, being Slim Shady, not just Slim Shady. Is that, is that no, it's, it's, it's Marshall being Eminem portraying Slim Shady. Like, he's it's a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude. Another dude, yes. He's <laughs> right. Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> and Blackface. Yeah. And he got away with Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Somebody talked yes. that before other than me. Yes. Oh, uh, I love that movie. Daniel, Daniel hates that movie, but I love that movie so much. But I mean, yeah. it's so so in the first verse, uh, <laughs> he says, you know, because I'm I'm back, I'm on the rag, and I'm ovulating. I know that you got a job, Miss Cheney, but your husband's heart problems complicating. So the FCC won't let me be or let me be me. So let me see. They try to shut me down on MTV, but it feels so empty without me. Yeah. He's like, come on, get bum on your lips. Fuck that. Come on your lips and some of your tits and get ready. This shit's about to get heavy. I just said it on my lawsuits. Fuck you, Fuck you that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, this song is so yeah. good. It's so it's so dumb but good. Like, yeah. like it, it really, but it really is like his. Like, there's a lot in the out. Like in like, so Eminem is also is always known for being like, especially nowadays, um, known for being able to put as many words as possible in his raps, and like his vocabulary is very vast. But his the way he raps, it's not a long song. It's like a normal song, but he puts so much into it. And like, this is one of the first ones because I mean. He really does start the album like that. I mean, not the album, but the song pretty fast. Like he puts a lot of it. Like I don't know how he breathes through the song. Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know at all. Uh, but the the fucking third verse is. I mean, yeah. 
Yep. It, it, it's basically just a fucking diss. <laughs> you know, he said to tisk it a task and I go tit for tat with anybody who's talking this shit, that shit. Chris Kirkpatrick, <laughs> you get your ass wet, kick worse than little limp biscuit bastards. And Moby, and you Moby. can get stomped by Obi, you 36-year-old ball-headed fag, blow me. You don't know me. You're too old. Let's go. It's over. Nobody <laughs> no, listens to no. <laughs> Let's go. Just give me the signal and I'll be there with a whole list of insults. Like it's so it's so yeah. duh. But it's so good. Like the, 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 right. the, the last the last eight bars of the, of the third verse where he goes, No, I'm not the first king of controversy. I am the worst thing since Elvis Presley to do black music so selfishly and use it to make myself wealthy. Hey, here's a concept that works. 20 million other white rappers emerge, but no matter how many fish in the sea, it's still feel em- it's still so empty without me. Like the, the video of this like the video to yeah, the music is video so is so freaking great, great man. Especially the part where he's like, uh, he's just doing donuts in the parking lot. <laughs> like, just yes. so good, but so dumb. Like I know. Oh. And, then, and then at the end of the song where he's like, and then it's like he's dressed as Osama bin Laden in the cave and D12 running in there. And like, jump his ass. And he's so <laughs> dumb. He's with them. It's just so dumb. Oh. <laughs> like, I love like, <laughs> Like, like, the, like, did we talk about the second verse? No, we gotta gloss over it. Like, little, little Hellions, kids feel rebellious, embarrassed their parents to listen to Elvis. They start feeling like prisoners, helpless till somebody comes around and mission he yells, Bitch! <laughs> <laughs> It's just so dumb. Like, like it's so good. It's like, I'm back. Nah, 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 nah. Fix your bent antenna, tune it in, and you're gonna enter in it under your skin like a splinter. The center of attention, back for the winner. I'm interesting. The best things it's wrestling, investing in your kids' ears and nesting. Testing, attention, please. <laughs> attention. As soon as someone mentions me, here's, here's my, my ten two cents. cents. My two, my two cents, cents is free. free. A nuisance. Who said you, you sent, sent for me? me? <laughs> like he's like this. Like just shows how. Overly talented, he is. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Overly talented, like his, like uh, he's lyrically he's so good, but the way he makes this, he made this, he made this. What, like, how much I say? He made this first introspective, like the first part of this first verse was introspective, saying that nobody cares about Marshall, they only want shady. That's what got him his sales. And then he goes into the political part a little bit, you know. Then he just goes back to like the mom part. And then he goes on to, you know, just uh, just random, like it's randomness, but there's stuff in each one of it, but he made it a pop song. Right. And I mean, we still know, like we, to this day, still know the song without even having to look at it. So, <laughs> <laughs> and we like the video, we're not playing the video right now, but we sure should remember the video. Yeah, we do. <laughs> sure the hell do. <laughs> oh, God. Nope. But did I'm going to go back the, and watch the video again now. Did he yeah. start the video with like doing a fake real world thing? No, no, yes. that was in the middle of the video. No, that was in the middle of the video. The, uh, the, oh, it was, was in the middle of the video. Yeah, yes, the beginning yes, of yes. the video was um, uh, where he's, oh, where he's uh, like, Kathy Lee. Yeah, and then, Mark, and then Lee. He, he, yeah. he gets it gets his uh, 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 Dre is like, he's like, Marshall, we got a boogie. I'm on my way. You know, he's bringing the rap mobile around, you know, so kind of like an influence of the song business, but brought into the form, brought into the uh, the video form. But Obi Christ, yeah, <laughs> true name, yeah. Obi real name, no gimmicks. gimmicks. Yeah, but yeah, uh, 
<laughs> so after we fanboyed over that, let's move we on to Talon's. Yeah. Let's move on to Talon's favorite song. This is my favorite uh, song. Yes, and we're going to talk about uh, "Sing for the Moment." Uh, so this song was the fourth single to be released off the Eminem show, and he interlopes uh, "Dream On" by Aerosmith and has their guitarist Joe Perry play the guitar solo towards the end of the song. So Joe Perry is actually on this. Yeah, that's uh, cool. The track also samples the drums from Titanic's I See No Reason. Uh, and I did not know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Uh, while addressing his effect on Youth of the World, M touched on his altercation with bouncer John Guerrero, claiming to have punched him rather than pistol-whipped him, as Guerrero claimed. Um, now, on, on September 5th, 2002, Aerosmith bassist Tom Hamilton told Launch... That we were really excited, you know, when we first heard that he wanted to do it and it came out great. It kind of surprised me a little in a really nice way. I figured that someone like that would probably be influenced by something more recent than Dream On. Uh, So that tells me Errol Smith was on board with this from the get-go. Yeah. They were like, yes, yes, please use our shit. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, this is what you call it in the business, what we call getting the rub right there. Getting the rub. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, man, I want to let you get your shine for a second, but you you ain't going over. Yeah. You ain't going over. I'll get you. Yeah. <laughs> you get a little shine in there. Don't worry, don't worry kid. Over. Don't worry, kid. I'll make them think you're winning. <laughs> yeah. I got you, man. Don't I worry. You, I got I you. Got you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what New Jack said. Told Dick Grimes before he threw his ass 40 fucking feet. Don't, don't worry, man. Nigga, I, got I got you. you. <laughs> I got you. Happy landings. Pew. Bombs away. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Good I actually Lord. we we actually sat and watched that uh, uh, Dark Side of the Ring um, oh, okay. episode of New Jack. Yeah, Amy's like, Amy's like, he's a evil motherfucker, ain't he? I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Hey, you know New Jack listens to our podcast? No, I did not. Yeah, shout yeah, out to man, you, New Jack. You better not say no derogatory shit. He'll find out where you live. Like, he'll know, find right? you. He'll find me. <laughs> Remember that was talent. It was like, what the fuck did you say? I'm like, I, no. You I said Obi Trice, real name. No, critics. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Who? I'm gonna hit it with that Roger Sierra. Who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Talon Williams. My name is Talon Worley. What you talking about? <laughs> yeah, who's this Williams guy? I don't know who Williams is. You looking yeah. for Chip Brown? He's over this way. <laughs> hey, you know he's friends with Brad Cash. Oh, I do. That's his daddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he says it all the time. He's like, that's he's like, he's like, fuck you. He's like, fuck you, Brad. <laughs> yeah. We've gone so off the rails. Yeah, we have. Yeah. Uh, so in the first verse of "Sing for the Moment," Eminem says, uh, <laughs> "These ideas are nightmares to white parents whose worst fear is a child with dyed hair and who likes earrings. Like whatever they say has no bearings. It's so scary in a house that allows no swearing. To see him." Uh, walking around with his headphones blaring alone in his own zone cold and he don't care he's a problem child and what bothers him all comes out when he talks about his fucking dad walking out because he hates him so bad that he blocks him out if he ever saw him saw him again he'd probably knock him out his thoughts are whack he's mad so he's talking back talking black brainwashed from rock and rap he sags his pants do rags and a stocking cap stepfather hit him so he socked him back and broke his nose and his house is a broken home there's no control so he just lets his emotions go 
I mean, that's that verse right there is is basically Eminem detailing, you know, his life as a young child. Yes. Uh, but also at the same time, he's detailing how a lot of us uh, white kids were perceived back in this time by our parents, you know, because I, I, I will say that I walked around, I sagged my pants, I wore do rag, stocking cap, and my biological father, who I also have nothing to fucking do with, because he's a piece of shit. Uh, I won't go off on that tangent, but um, you know, he always told me he's like, stop acting, stop talking black. You, you, you're you're not black. You're white. Like, like fuck you, man. <laughs> this it's not a color thing. It's a culture thing. Like, and this is the, you know the culture that I grew up in. So you wore do rags back in the day. I did. I also you had, had a, waves. I had waves. I had a flat top. I had designs in my hair. Uh, everything. Like man, yeah. Uh, as the kids say nowadays, I was the ultimate wigger. I don't think the kids say that nowadays. I don't think not? that in my days. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, here's the thing. Like they I said, that shit. Young, they said that shit in my day. Yeah, I think the, all the, the white 80s, kids. But see, but the see, that's, funny. I think the, that's the thing. Like, I think the young generation you. don't even. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is the greatest oh. episode of Rap Rewind ever. <laughs> it really is. No, but but, but like young kids nowadays they don't even like the like legit the majority of the younger kids these days they see color but they don't give a shit about color you know what i mean from the standpoint for the most part yeah for the most part you know and i'm pretty sure that there's some people who will raise their kids up to believe you know you shouldn't be friends with people if they're different skin color than you and those people can go fuck themselves um you know because i mean I, i literally see people i i hear people to this day i mean this is fucking 2021 and i hear people to this day there'll be uh you know a a mixed couple walking down the street like oh they shouldn't they shouldn't date outside their race bitch we are all the same race we are the fucking human race right and there's this one person was like they they would bring up they bring up the bible sometimes about that they would they would say some shit like even the birds know not to mate with the with ones that aren't them or whatever and i was like okay so let me ask you a question do you believe that moses is in hell what you know moses you know you know son of amram and yoshebel hebrew slaves is is that is that the is that the uh because if i'm not mistaken um he married outside of his race and i mean he was a hebrew and the and I don't know what race uh, his wife was, but she wasn't a Hebrew. So yeah, is Moses know. in hell? I mean, I don't think so. He died. He died on Mount Sinai. I don't think he is. But right. you know, I mean, uh, there you go. But then, but then in the second verse, he goes, uh, he's strictly just to get me off these streets quickly. But all the kids be listening to me religiously, so I'm signing CDs while. Fi- police fingerprint me they're for the judge's daughter but his grudge is against me if i'm such a fucking menace this shit doesn't make sense b it's all political if my music is literal if i'm a criminal how the fuck can i raise a little girl i couldn't i wouldn't be fit to you're full of shit too guerrera that was a fist that hit you bitch yep (laughs) duffed duffed Duffed. right yes yeah um now 
my favorite verse in this whole song is the third verse. Um, you know, um, for a couple of reasons, you, you know, just cause like it just, when it, when I'll just like get into it, it says, it's like, you know, they say music can alter moods and talk to you, but can it load a gun up for you and cock it too? Well, if it can, then the next time you assault a dude, just tell the judge it was my fault and I'll get sued. You know, basically he's saying, okay, like if you do something fucked up, blame me because they're going to blame me anyway, kind of deal, you know? Um, and it says, see, what these kids do is they hear about us toting pistols. Now they want to get one because they think the shit's cool. Not knowing we're really just protecting ourselves. We're entertainers. Of course, this shit's affecting ourselves. You ignoramus, but music is a reflection of self. We just explain it, and then we get our checks in the mail. It's fucked up, ain't it? How we can come from practically nothing to being able to have any fucking thing that we wanted. You know, basically, you know, how, like, you know, you literally came from nothing, and now you're getting all this money. And then it says, that's why we sing for these kids who don't have a thing except for a dream and a fucking rap magazine who post pinup pictures on their walls all day long, idolize their favorite rappers and know all their songs or through anyone who's ever been through shit in their lives. So they sit and they cry at night wishing they die until they throw in a rap record and they sit and they vibe. We're nothing to you, but we're the fucking shit in their eyes, you know? And for me, like that, that just that part right there where it says, or anyone who's ever been through shit in their lives and they sit and they cry at night wishing they die until they throw in a rap record and they sit and they vibe. We're nothing to you, but we're the fucking shit in their eyes. Uh, you know, because this is around the time I was in high school, you know, and, you know, I I got fucking picked on. I got bullied, you know, and there was times where I was like, you know, like, I don't want to fucking be here anymore. You know, like, I mean, I it, it got me that depressed, you know, and I actually had a copy of this CD um, it was the CD that you hid from your parents, obviously. Um, you know, um, but you sit there and you listen, and that part of the song got to me, you know. And you know, it's it, it made me think, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, this is you know why we listen to certain because I, I've said it multiple times on every platform that we have here. Music makes you feel one of two ways: it makes you empowered or it makes you cathartic. You know, it, you know, and th- it this that lyric specific those bars specifically was kind of both it was therapeutic but also empowering at the same time does that make sense yes yeah i mean you always talk about that's the power of music though yeah yeah you know and not and and the fact that it sampled aerosmith and the fact that joe perry had that wicked guitar solo at the end um you know, just th- that's why this is my personal favorite Eminem song because it basically, you know, basically this, for the third verse mainly. I mean, the other stuff. I mean, the other you know two verses were just as good, um, and you know, and especially in the second verse. And there was one. It's like um, it says, "How the fuck did this metamorphosis happen from standing on corners and porches just rapping to having a fortune? No more kissing asses." But then these critics crucify you. Journalists turn on you. Fans, journalists try to burn you. Fans turn on you. Attorneys all want to turn at you to get their hands on every dime you have. They want you to lose your mind every time you're mad so you can try, so they can try to make you out to look like a loose cannon. Any dispute won't hesitate to produce handguns. You know, pretty much how the industry, when you get to a certain point, the industry will turn on you, you know? Right. And how, how apropos it is that in 2021, there are people turning on Eminem for whatever various reasons, whether you want to try to cancel his ass or whether you think Machine Gun washed him, which he didn't, um, 
but this man watched Machine Gun Kelly so bad that man changed genres. You mean genders? Uh, I was going to say <laughs> both. What? What? I didn't, not not gender. Are <laughs> 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 you <said> gender? <laughs> No, genre, <laughs> not gender. I mean, he kind of changed both. <laughs> this man, really? I thought that man, hey, I can't help what I heard. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's uh, the old kicking in. Uh, like, this is the greatest episode ever. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so we move on from Sing for the Moment to uh, the song Superman. Uh, and this, is, uh, this adds to Eminem's collection of songs expressing his anger against his ex-wife Kim. Uh, Superman contains a lot of harsh truths about the kinds of women that Eminem interacts with, partially due to his fame. However, Eminem may be trying to detail a sort of enlightenment in this song that even though it has come to the result of suffering, he values. The title of Superman in relation to women likely alludes to the classic situation of Superman himself saving women from dangerous situations and them being grateful to him as well as sexually interested in him eminem describes himself as being the complete antithesis he said i can't be your superman to this kind of character preferring to leave women to solve their own problems by themselves without his help broadly the song discusses the need for men in relationships to abandoned women with severe personal issues and leave these women to sort out said issues on their own and not simply swoop in to save them and solve all of their problems like Superman himself. Eminem does not want to play the Prince Charming-esque character so desired by women and depicts himself instead as a battle-hardened soldier aware of what women generally want from men in relationships. This awareness gives Eminem a reason to avoid any sort of chivalry and sacrifice for women who will not return the favor. It is also worth noting whether or not this is intentional that the song title could allude to Frederick Nightsex's concept of the Ubermensch, a word which can be translated into Superman. Superman. Yeah. Yes. Superman. Uh, <laughs> the link can be made by likening his divorce from Kim to Knight's death of God. <clears throat> Given that the divorce essentially created a void where Eminem's values once were, in a sense, and which are now bearing or are now being called into question. He's rethinking his reasoning behind marrying Kim in the first place. Instead of nihilistically giving up on life in the wake of his divorce, Eminem wants to construct new values by which he can live that do not mean that he will be dependent upon a woman or as Nietzsche would hypothesize God uh, to be his source of well-being and meaning, and broadly, he wants all men to aspire to this goal as well. Um, in his book, The Way I Am, Eminem says, with Superman, all I ever hear people talk about is Mariah Carey. Did she inspire it? Well, yes, kind of. She did. Uh, I don't want to get into tabloid gossip, but if you read between the lines and you listen to it, you'll know what I'm talking about. I recorded it toward the end of the Eminem show, and I wanted to do it with an LL Cool J kind of whisper, like in this song or like in his song "Need Love." That was the thing for a while with the good old school love songs, 
to be gentle and playful with your voice in Superman. The girl thinks I'm serenading her, but I'm really telling her I'm sick of her. <clears throat> I'd just gotten divorced from Kim and I wasn't going down that same road I'd already been on. This was my way of saying I'm not going to make a love song. Well, there you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how we can break it down any more than that. Right. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I actually don't like this song that much. I think it's the weakest one on the album, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't like it, it goes hand in hand with drips for me. Well, yeah, drips is probably, yeah, drips is the worst song on yeah. the album. Uh, and this is like, and it's not even a bad song. I just don't know what it is um, about it. Um, and lyrically, is a good song still, too. So I, I just don't think it matches. It doesn't fit in the album like Drips doesn't. Yeah. It, it might be it, the reason it, why. It kind of reminds, reminds me a little bit. Um, you know right, you know how, like, in in, in uh, Slim Shady Epic, Slim Shady Epic, he had Come On Everybody, and then on Marshall Mathers, he had the Drug Ballad. I kind of see it in that way because you got the one girl that's singing and doing some, you know, falsettos in there and stuff like that. And then, you know, he kind of, you know, in does all like the chorus. I mean, people had the people were singing the chorus and things of that nature. And people, I think the one part people was like, bitch, you make me hurl. Like, you know, that whole thing. And then, like, for, at, after the first verse, it does get repetitive. You know, it's like, you, I can't be your Superman, Superman. Like, all right, you don't want to be Superman, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it really wasn't, I, I didn't care for it. I mean, it was good, it was good, but as, as, as opposed to everything else on the album, I didn't care for it. Right. All right. So we'll move on from there. We'll move to the next song and it's, it's literally called Haley's song. Uh, and this is M's ode to his daughter. After a tough battle with Haley's mother and Eminem's ex-wife, Kim, Eminem got custody of Haley in 2002. He was happy and filled with joy. He then decided to write and make the song. He planned on giving it to Haley when she was growing up or old enough to hear the song. This song was originally not intended to be released at all. However, Dr. Dre played the song to some ladies and they were very touched by the song and he then convinced Eminem to put it on the album. Um... And uh, what are your thoughts? What are you guys' thoughts on this particular song? Go ahead, Raj. I was going to let you take it first. No, no, go ahead. You got it. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, <laughs> both of you guys have daughters, and I do not. But I can, um, you know, I, I can attribute to this you know, to my boys. You know, the first verse, he says, someday I sit. I sit and stare out the window watching the world pass me by. Sometimes I think there's nothing to live for. I almost break down and cry. Sometimes I think I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Oh, so crazy. Why am I here? Am I just wasting my time? But then I see my baby. Suddenly I'm not crazy. It all makes sense when I look into her eyes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel that almost every day. Like yeah. on those hard days. Yeah. I, I mean, and I, I do too. I think we all do. Uh, or... or Knowing you guys the way I know you guys, at least the three of us, uh, you know, we all have that same kind of mentality and, you know, um, for lack of a better term, insecurities about us, uh, yeah. you know, wondering, you know, 
why are we here what you know what is our purpose and all that but then we look at our children and it's like okay there it is that's that's why i'm here that's my purpose and they're the reason that i keep going yeah i think it was uh charlemagne who i heard say it he may have heard it from someplace else but charlemagne had had a thing when he said that a father is a son's first hero and a, and, a, and a daughter's first love. And, you know, that's something that you try to be, you know, like you want, you know, you want, obviously you want your, your, your son to obviously have his, have his own identity and, you know, you try to teach him to be, you know, courageous, be brave, you know, things of that nature, you know, and so he's going to, he's going to look to you to know how to do those things. And with, with, you know, the daughter's first love is because in like, this is the first, you know, man that she's ever going to meet is her father, you know? So obviously, you know, because for me, you know, it's hard to talk about. It's not hard to talk about. It's just hard to put in the words like, and I love both of my children to death. Like I, you know, I would fight kill and die for both of my kids you know and won't even hesitate won't even hesitate you know and you know it's like i need for, for, for the for, for the sake of my daughter like i need to show her like this is how you should expect to be treated with respect with dignity you know don't let anybody you know scare you you know don't let anybody put hands on you because you do i'll fucking kill them you know um you know, those type things, you know, you, you know, cause you want her to also be brave and courageous as well, you know? Um, so. Oh. I mean, I think verse two on the track, um, pretty much says it all. Yeah. Uh, my baby girl keeps getting older. I watch her grow up with pride. People making jokes cause they don't understand me. They just don't see my real side. I act like shit don't phase me. Inside it drives me crazy. My insecurities could eat me alive. But then I see my baby. Suddenly I'm not crazy. It all makes sense when I look into her eyes. Yeah. And the chorus, you know, it's because sometimes it feels like the world's on my shoulders. Everyone's leaning on me because sometimes it feels like the world's on my shoulders. But then she comes back to me, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, this is, I love this song, but this is also another one of those songs that qu- doesn't quite fit the scheme of the first half of the album. Uh, but I think this album has, it, it's a tale of two halves. Um, you know. Yeah, I think after, I think from after Say Goodbye Hollywood, it changes. It yeah. slowly changes. Um, I mean, because Sing for the Moment, Superman and Haley's songs are uh, sort of in the same, um, not the same tone, but it's more personal. Right. You right. Know, uh, it's got like a different tone than what the first half did where it was more political. Yeah. It's almost like everything from white America to square dance was the political charge stuff. And then from the kiss to say goodbye to Hollywood was the the story of you know him kicking you know punching the bouncer, um, and then drips was kind of there. Without me was you know it, it, it was it was a shady song you know, um, and then I think what it was yeah. is maybe they hit you with all with with all kinds of stuff at the beginning to where it's like okay what is he gonna say next, 
and then you listen to this next song and it's like okay he didn't reference anything political in that one but i still like the song you know or maybe it's like you were waiting to hear something else you know and then just you listen to the whole well, album and you fell in love with the rest of the songs on the album possibly well yeah i mean you know the 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 first four actual songs you know white america business cleaning out my closet square dance are are very politically and emotionally driven uh then you have the kiss soldiers say goodbye to hollywood like you said um or it's just all that story of you know say it, goodbye say goodbye. <laughs> 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 you know it's, it's it's all that story of what happened you know um the 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 night that he caught his wife kissing somebody else then you have drips that's kind of there then you have the yeah. the 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 slim shady that comes out uh then you get sing for the moment superman and Haley's song which are all very like it's it's less of him rapping i mean yes he's rapping but it's also like him singing you know um uh, which you know he admits he's not a very good singer uh but then you know after Haley's song we jump over to uh another skit so you kind of get that that break up there um you know uh the steve berman skit makes its second appearance on eminem's album and contrary to what berman thought on the previous album you know where he's like uh dre's talking about big screens bitches and 40s you're talking about homosexuals and vikings i can't sell this shit to him saying you know uh I don't even know where to start. I got the album from upstairs, and this is by far the most. And you hear Eminem cock a gun and shoot him, and then in his last breath, Berman says the inc- most incredible thing I've ever heard. Um, right, almost you yeah, know, like almost like all right, motherfucker, you shit on my last record. I ain't gonna let you shit on this one. <laughs> you know, um, right. Uh, you know, and from there you go to. When the music stops featuring D12. Hey, pause real quick. Uh, pause real quick, yes. if you don't mind. Um, it kind of goes in, in hand in hand, though, back to uh, the Paul Rosenberg skit, too. Almost like these skits are kind of like in, intertwined in some way. Does that make sense? Where Paul Rosenberg's like, leave your fucking gun at home. And then later on, he uses the same gun, quote unquote, against Steve Berman. <laughs> so it kind of goes hand in hand, I guess. So it's almost like it's a story within a story, almost. Oh, yeah. I, I can get all that. Are. Yeah. On, on all the albums, they all have like a little comical story to them. Right. Yeah. Uh, but so from there, we move on to uh, Eminem featuring D12 uh, when the music stops. Uh, and this is Eminem and D12 venting their frustration with the rap game. Uh, D12, the rap group Eminem was a part of at the time, is featured in this song. Uh, the song is about how people take rap way too seriously and need to realize it's just lyrics. The main message of the song is that is to stop confusing hip hop with real life when the music stops as it's going out and doing what you hear in rap songs after you're done listening. Uh, this song does not clearly sample any other song. Um, but the intro is... Uh, I feel like it's it's very powerful. You know, bizarre, he says, music, reality, sometimes it's hard to tell the difference, but we as entertainers have a responsibility to these kids. Psych. Basically <laughs> right. saying, 
you know, it, it, this is basically him saying, you know, you guys think that we are supposed to raise your children for you, but no, we're just putting out this art form and you have to teach them that, you know, this is real life and this is, you know, the make-believe world. Right. You know, and then Eminem goes on to say, if I were died to if I were to die murdered in cold blood tomorrow, would you feel sorrow or show love or would it matter? Could never be the lead lead off batter if there ain't shit for me to feed off. I'm seesaw batting. <clears throat> but there's way too much at stake for me to be fake. There's too much on my plate. I done came way too far in this game to talk, turn and walk away and not say what I got to say. What the fuck? You take me for a joke? You smoking crack? Before I do that, I'd take Mariah to, I'd beg Mariah to take me back, uh, alluding once again to his uh, so-called relationship with Mariah Carey. Right. She denies it and he denies it, but uh, clearly, <laughs> clearly there can't was something it. <laughs> there. Uh, you know, uh, but I mean, just that part right there, you know, if I were to die tomorrow, or if I were to die murdered in cold blood tomorrow, would you feel sorrow or show love or would it matter? Uh, I feel that a lot, yeah. you know, because um, you, you, you always wonder what kind of impact you leave on this world. And, you know, if you were to, to die tomorrow, would, would anybody actually care? Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way. Roger. Yeah, I mean, I was waiting to see if you were going to say anything else. No, but no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, a lot of people go through that. But, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, especially at this point, because, I mean, D12 wasn't really getting, they kept getting put on hold for a lot of stuff at this point. But, um, I mean. Did Devil's yeah, Night come out at this point? Uh, two. Yeah, was Devil's Not Out yet? Uh, let me see. Uh, uh, first album was uh, 2001, actually. Mm. Okay. Yes. Okay. So the first album did come 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 before this. Okay. I'm trying to think about when the second album came out. I don't even remember that. The one. second album was like 2004. Yeah, two thousand four. Okay. Man, who's snacking over there? Me. That's Talon. Oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, got me some. I got me some uh, uh, peanut butter filled pretzels. Of course. Love these things. <laughs> I was like, man, who is snacking? <laughs> This right. guy out here just straight up just making all the noise in our ears. Hey, at least I ain't chewing the shit in the damn microphone. Not yet. Nah, I moved, I moved the microwave. But anyway, go ahead. Okay. I mean, like, no, it's just they they were, I mean, they were frustrated. You can literally tell they were nothing but a lot of anger in this. Um, it's 
if you don't know, like, it's hard to explain because, like, we haven't really gone into D12 yet. We were saving that for afterwards. Right. So it's hard to really, like, explain that when you actually, like, hear these lyrics from these guys. You can tell it's not, like, what they normally are like. So you can tell there was something going on at this point. Um, I mean, it's also sort of political on some of the aspects overall because, I mean, they do talk about the police a lot in this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, even back then, the, there was a issue with policing black people. Who would have thought? Right. Uh, the bizarre so, verse on it, though, was... Like, I, I was going to say, what's <laughs> ironic is this song actually has six separate verses. Um, There's six members. Well, yeah, but not, <laughs> not all of the D12 songs, uh, actually, most of them do not have all six members on them. Yeah. Yeah, first, oh, really? Yeah, the first yep. verse was M, then it was Swifty, then it was Con Artist, Canava, Proof, and then they ended it with Bizarre. I'm pretty, I, like the only one I can't I can think of that doesn't have all six members is D12 World, where it's everybody but Eminem. Okay, because I'm pretty sure they're all in it. Uh, Canava and uh. Con artists usually share, like they usually do a double uh, verse and they go back and forth with each other. Or Swift does it with one yeah. of them. So okay, that makes sense. Like, yeah, it's usually like a six full verse, but they like for some reason they like share verses because they always do that little like two on two kind of style. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That that might be why I'm I'm confused on that. But yeah, like Talon was saying, you know, Bizarre's verse where he says, you know, music has changed my life in so many ways. Brains confused, been fucked since the fifth grade. LL told me to rock the bells. NWA said, fuck the police. Now, now I'm in, in jail. jail. <laughs> 93 was strictly R&B. Fucked up haircut. Listen to Jodeci. Michael Jackson, who gonna tell me I ain't Mike? Ass cheeks painted white. Fucking Priscilla tonight. <laughs> Flying down Sunset. Smoking crack. Transvestite in the front. Eddie Murphy in the back. MOP. I had my grime and gritty. Marilyn Manson. I dyed my hair blue and grew some titties. Ludacris told me to throw them bows. Now I'm in a hospital with a broken nose and a fractured elbow. <laughs> Voices in my head. I'm going in shock. I'm reaching for my clock, but the music stops. <clears throat> you know, and that was and I mean, pretty much. Yeah, that's how the that's how the song ended. But uh, I, I mean that that verse right there is is real telling because he literally lays out, you know, his his musical influences you know from the time he was in the fifth grade until now uh and, and i do find it ironic that marilyn manson is in there with one of them <laughs> right i dyed my hair blue and grew some titties yep <laughs> if that ain't the greatest damn lyric in the <laughs> that's gotta be up there right <laughs> yeah you said but greatest I lyrics right say what did you say greatest lyrics? Who? <laughs> I was being sarcastic. Huh? <laughs> um, Correction. I was trying to be sarcastic. So, so we move on from that to um, say what you say, featuring Dre. Uh, this is the song where uh, <laughs> uh, M and Dre they diss Jermaine Dupri, Cannabis, and uh, the Source magazine. It was M's first retaliation against the magazine, which later turned into the Eminem and Benzino beat. The song is also about Dre 
stating that he hadn't left the rap game yet and he is here to diss some people and maintain his respect the song is actually produced by drake uh and this is another one of those man when you get m and trey on a track and they're going back and forth like this it's in fucking credible it's magic dude yep we've always talked about the chemistry yes yeah insane you know they did it on guilty yeah. conscience they did it you know you know um what did they do on I don't th- did dre have, yeah he did what I'm trying to think of what the Drake did. Did Dre do a track with him on Marshall Mathers LP? I'm trying to remember which one. If he even did. Uh, yeah. 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 Which one? Tell me. Help me. I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. On on the Eminem or on the Marshall, Marshall Mathers, Mathers, Mathers LP? LP? Yeah. Um, it was. Just a second. I got it pulled up right here. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, please. he did Bitch Please Volume yeah. 2. With, it was him, Dre, yeah. uh, Snoop, Snoop Exhibit, Nate Bucks, yeah. the West Coast rap. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't he on something else, though? Uh, or was that uh, just it? Let's see. Uh, he produced a lot of it, but I think that's the only one he's on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, the song was escaping me for whatever reason. Uh, So so what do, what do you guys think about uh this one? Uh, I mean, you said it best, like, once you get Dre and Eminem together, that chemistry is so good with the back and forth. I mean, there's a lot of shared verses. Uh, actually, they're all shared verses, I believe. Yeah, this this whole song is it's shared back and forth yeah. between them. Yeah, uh, the chorus is the only thing that's so solo. And, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we talked about earlier how this was a diss to Jermaine Dupree somehow. Um, I didn't even know that the first time I heard it. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's got um, in the second verse, he says, second verse, it gets worse. It gets no better than this amateur drink, veteran piss from a Dixie cup. If you ever mix me up or confuse me with a cannabis or Dre with a Dupree, we'll rub it in every club you're in. We'll have you blackballed and make sure you never rap a fucking again. Dre ain't having it. Long as I'm here to play devil's advocate. If there was some magic shit that I could wave over the industry that could save it when I'm gone and buried when I'm gone and buried to make sure the tradition carries on, I would. And then M goes in and he says, if I could only use my power for good, I wouldn't not even if I could from the hood and I'm a hornet and I'm only sting when I'm cornered and I'm a sucker punch and swing without warning and swing to knock somebody's fucking head off because I know if they get up, I won't get a chance to let off another punch. I'm punk rock. No one's punk. Don't give a fuck. White pox. So much spunk. When I was little, I knew I would blow up and sell a mill or grow up to be a tiller, go nuts and be a killer. And I'm something of a phenom. One puff of the crown. I'm unstoppable. I'm alive and on top again. There's no obstacle that I can't conquer. So come along with us. Shout out. He gave, Eminem, he even gave Attila the Hunter a shout out. Sweet. Yep. Uh, Eminem calls himself Pac in a lot of these songs in this album. He does. Or he refers to himself Pac-esque, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's def- yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely up there as one, of the, it, as one of the top three best songs on the album, I think. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It, uh, I definitely put it in top five. And, and then in the, uh, the, the, to close out the third verse, um, he goes, and it's back and forth all day like red and meth. I joke when I say I'm the best, best in the booth, but a lot of it is said in jest. And if I ever do live 
to be a legend. I'm going to die a sudden death. Five mics in the source. I ain't holding my fucking breath. But I'll suffocate for the respect before I breathe to collect a fucking check. Like, right. that's powerful. Yeah. Uh, that's powerful in itself. And then the the outro. Do you guys remember the outro? Um, on that one, the outro, yeah, nah, enough to top of my head. I have to look back. Dre and Timberland, where Dre's like, "Yo, watch your fucking mouth, yo, this Timberland." Tell him I said, "Suck my dick." <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, Timberland and uh, Dupree had some heat back then too, right? But that was like the whole like. You remember Eddie Murphy uh, did? Uh, it, I, I can't remember. It was, I want to. I, want, I can't remember if it was raw or delirious. But it, Bill Cosby was uh, mad at him for using foul language and shit. And, he, and Richard Pryor told Eddie Murphy, "You tell him he's like my dick <laughs> or something like that." I, I can't remember if it yep. was raw or delirious. I'll find it. Oh, um, but so we move on from from there, and we go to. My favorite song on the album, uh, Eminem featuring Nate Dogg, Till I Collapse. Yep. Uh, so, so from Eminem's fourth album, The Eminem Show, uh, Mathers makes a beat for himself and proceeds to tear it to shreds. The drums are taken almost directly from Queen's uh, anthem, We Will Rock You. Although it has never been released as a single, it has charted on a few occasions when other Eminem albums have been released. Uh, hmm. But... Yeah, uh, the chorus of this uh, is is really powerful to me. So, you know, till the roof comes off, till the lights go out, till the legs give out, can't shut my mouth, till the smoke clears out, am I high? Perhaps I'm gonna rip this shit till my bones collapse, till the roof comes off, till the lights go out, until the roof, until the roof, till my legs give out. You know, <clears throat> uh basically saying it's, it's basically eminem saying you know uh, until all this shit is done i'm gonna keep going right ride this motherfucker till the wheels fall off yeah. yeah but also i think at the beginning of it is very powerful as well where it says because sometimes you feel tired you feel weak and when you feel weak you feel like you just want to give up but you got to search within you try to find that inner strength and just pull that shit out of you and get that motivation to not give up and to not be a quitter no matter how bad you just want to fall flat on your face and collapse you know like almost kind of almost a precursor in a way to you know if you had one shot you know like almost like a precursor to the to uh lose yourself in a way right i mean he was doing it at the same time so right it makes sense why they would you know kind of go hand in it hand it can bleed over yeah 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 uh but uh my favorite the one of my favorite verses i i guess uh and it goes back to you know how how music makes you feel but it, the second verse eminem starts off he said music is like magic there's a certain you feel you certain feeling you get when you reel and you spit and people are feeling your shit this is your moment and every single minute you spend trying to hold on to it because you never know when you may get it again yes so lose yourself in the moment you own it yep exactly <laughs> you go right into it um yeah you know uh, but this is also uh, where, you know, everybody was putting M in like their top 10 list and everything. And uh, M says, you know, I got a list and 
here's the order on my list that it's in. It goes Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac, and Biggie, Andre from Outkast, Jada, Corrupt, Corrupt, Nas, and then me. Uh, But in this industry, industry, I'm a cause of a lot of envy. So when I'm not put on this list, the shit does not offend me. That's why you see me walking around like nothing's bothering me. Even though half you people got a fucking problem with me. You hate it, but you know respect you got to give me. The press is white dream like Bobby and Whitney. Nate hit me. And then it goes into the chorus again. Yeah. Um, so can we talk about how even Eminem admits how much Andre 2000 is one of the goats? Yes. Or birds? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yes. like, like yeah. I said, we, like we say every time yeah. if he ever releases that solo album. Right. And he throws Reggie, a.k.a. Redman, in the conversation as well. Um, oh, he, that's like his favorite rapper. He yeah, said growing yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do find it. I do find it ironic uh, that he puts Jay Z in, in his top ten. Uh, I mean, back then he probably would have. Uh, I mean, if we asked him now, it'd be different. I mean, he also puts Jada Kids up there, which is also really and, yeah, and he put me. corrupt up there too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I bet if we asked him now what his top ten would be. It'd be probably a lot different oh yeah oh yeah well i don't even know about a lot different he probably changed a couple in and out yeah i don't know i think andre reggie um of course jay well, jay i think jay-z would probably still be in this top 10 i think uh, i don't know about that now <laughs> it might i'm I saying he might i'm just saying uh now here's what's ironic um m refers to the list he's he's about to go through in the following lines this is M's list of the greatest rappers in the game. Um, seeing uh, that he put both uh, Tupac and Biggie, they were already deceased when the song was recorded. Uh, since this song's release, Eminem has expressed that he is unsure if he put the rappers in the correct order and if he should be have even made an order. However, in June of 2020, he expanded on the original list with a greatest of all time edition, adding longtime friends and Slaughterhouse member Royce to 59 King Crooked, as well as Tretch, Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane, and LL Cool J. He also added several newer rappers relative to his original list, namely Lil Wayne, J. Cole, and fellow Dr. Dre protege Kendrick Lamar. I mean, he knows he knows where it is. He knows the business, right? Exactly. J Cole and, Ken, and Kendrick oh, should always be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, uh, Town does his homework. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> <laughs> from this song, we go to the to the last song. Song, uh, song. <laughs> yeah, last song, song on the album, mm-hmm. uh, and it's my dad's gone crazy featuring Haley. Um. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Eminem says that he let Haley come to the studio with him one day and she said, my dad's gone crazy into the mic and he decided to put it into one of his songs. Uh, He was criticized for putting his young daughter's voice into a song with such vulgar language. But in his defense, Haley J. Mathers, Mathers was not present during the recording uh, of the actual song, she merely merely provided inspiration. Um, so you know, she just came to the to the studio one day, said this 
line, my dad's gone crazy. He recorded it and was like, oh, I'm going to use that in a song. Right. Um, You know, but <laughs> I mean, uh, in his autobiography, Eminem revealed that Haley said her famous line after he had been chasing her around the studio. Um, uh, this song was also certified gold by the RIAA on February 28th, 2018. Um, what are you guys' thoughts about this song? I, I like it. So yeah, nice way to end the album, in my opinion. Yeah, most definitely. Oh yeah, it, it was uh, kind of full circle, you know, in a sense, you know. I mean, because he started very heavy politically, and then you know the the whole kiss thing, and then. But it, it, almost like what you talked about a minute ago, it's almost like the tale of two halves in a sense, you know, because he had the Haley Jade song, and he had Haley's song, and now he he's this one, so it's almost like it's a transitional thing over to this song now, to where she, she can, you know, you know, say it, you know, and I mean, obviously she was wouldn't be in there during the recording process, obviously of the verses and stuff. I think that might be a little bit too. I mean, Eminem even says. I don't blame you. I wouldn't let Haley listen to me either. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it it makes sense. You know, uh, I'm pretty positive, and I would have to go back. So don't quote me on this. But uh, we quoting. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm pretty positive that in uh, interviews up until Haley was 18 he said that he didn't allow her to listen to his music. I'm pretty sure he did say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but once, you know, once she was 18, she could make that decision on her own. I mean, to be honest, she probably like, nah, you're my dad. I don't care. Right. Right. Almost like, you know, like the kid of like a famous athlete or actor or something like that is like, it's like, oh, like, oh, it's like, it's like he just scored 65 points in a game seven. And you're like, yay, dad. <laughs> you know, like, you know. Dad, are you done yet? Hurry up. Yeah. Right. I got school tomorrow, dad. I don't know. I don't, don't want to stay up till like five in the morning on a Sunday. Like, you know. Um, so, uh, after this, there's a, a, a one final skit is called curtains close. Uh, and it's literally, uh, just the curtains closing footsteps and the screech of a microphone. However, uh, if you listen a little bit further, you actually hear King Kniff King walk up to the mic and he says, Hey, Hey, is this thing on? Where'd everybody go? Guess who's back back again. Ken is back. Tell some men, Rub my back, rub my back, rub my back. Hey, wait, hello. Hey, good night. <laughs> uh, you know, so kind of still following in um, that same comedic route. Right. So. And considering yeah, the still doing a little slim shady esque. Yeah. And, and, and considering right. the Ken Kniff skit from the previous album. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, with all that being said, um, what were some, what are your favorite tracks on the album? If you had to give me your top five, 
See the top five. Uh, the five, team. really? Top five? Oh, well, I mean, okay. Well, if we can narrow it down to three, if you want to be like that, I mean. Uh, <laughs> this was hard because this album. I mean, you know, like Roger and I said, the the, the two songs that just kind of didn't fit were uh, "Drips" and "Superman." Um, but I mean, I loved "White America." Uh, square dance soldier um say without bye, me <laughs> <laughs> yes say goodbye to hollywood uh, without me um and then uh when the music stops say what you say until i collapse Th- those are all like some some of my favorites off of this album but uh, this is also one of the out those albums that i can sit and listen to from front to back and not skip a song even with the weak songs on there right i don't know i might skip drips i don't know maybe i'd probably skip i'd probably skip it yeah but uh for me probably no particular order is uh Haley's song without me and um White America probably for my top three, but no particular order. Uh, Tula Collapse is like number four. Uh, Sing for the moment, maybe number five. Those are the only two I can really number, but the other three is hard. All right. For me, right. Sing, for me, it's Sing for the Moment, number one. Um, Till I Collapse at number two. White America at three. Uh, Square Dance at four. Um, five is a five's a toss-up five's a toss-up between uh say what you no i would no say what you say at five without me at six um yeah i mean but, but like what you said chip i mean this is an album that we can sit and listen to all the way through and even the songs that aren't as good as the rest of the album they still hold weight and they still you know it literally at this point it's the best eminem record at this point in his life and career um definitely Definitely a lot of people would probably say that because of the political aspect of it, he reached a broader audience. Could we say that? Because it was like more people wanting to know, okay, what is he saying? What is he talking about? You know, it kind of kind of like it, it intrigued them to buy the record just to see what he was going to say. Does that make sense? Well, I think, yes, like sort of, sort of, uh, I think it did so well because it wasn't his normal formula. So people are like, oh, we need to see what this is about. And they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. We can let our, you know, kids listen to it, even though they shouldn't. But um, it was able to reach more people because it wasn't some shady. Right. Right. Because shady was bad. <laughs> he created a monster. And no one wants to see Marshall anymore. They want shady and chopped liver. And I'm rocking the table while he's operating. <laughs> And he's literally on a fucking gurney in the video, rocking back and forth. Yes, it's staying true to form. <laughs> All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our uh, that has been Long our rewind of the Eminem again. Hold on. Um, okay, I'm good now. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, in two weeks, we'll actually have. Um, not another rap rewind, but we'll have 22 or I'm sorry on the 22nd of this month, we will release, um, the 15 weakest albums by great rappers. Stay tuned for that. That's going to be, uh, 
a really really good one. Yeah, and then Hopefully um, no furniture be moving around in that motherfucker. So the Carter, the Carter three, right? Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> 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 uh, and then uh, your money. Join us, join us back again on June twelfth as we delve back into our rap rewind series. Uh, we will go over the encore album although there were um two unofficial albums released before encore we're gonna skip those and go straight to encore because they were not official releases right um we're, they were like keep it official and stuff right uh one was called straight from the lab um and uh so straight from the lab is an unofficial compilation of eminem songs that released in 03 which saw popularity in the uh, United States, um, it has songs on it like "Monkey See, Monkey Do," "We as Americans," "Love You More," "Can I Bitch," "Bully," Six in the Morning" uh, by D12. Yep, uh, "Do Re Mi" feature or "Do Re Mi," which was Haley's Revenge, that featured D12, Haley Jade, and Obi Trice. The Kids, "Stimulate," "Rabbit Run," "The Conspiracy Freestyle," "Bump Heads," "The Jaw Rule Disc," featuring. 50 Cent, Lloyd Banks, and Tony Yayo. Uh, Lose your... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the rapper that looks featured... like a Ninja Turtle. Yes. Uh, it, cle- it featured Lose Yourself, the drum and bass remix. Uh, Not it... that drum and bass remix. Remember when that show yes. was popular? Yes. It, it also <laughs> featured... Um, uh, I, I, I kind of still like drum... You Never mind. It, it also I'm featured Jungle Brothers out my closet. Okay. <laughs> Uh, it also featured the drum and bass remix of cleaning out my closet uh <laughs> then a song called god is cleaning out my closet and 911 by booyah tribe featuring be real and eminem uh i've never even heard of that song me neither me either uh booyah but we, tribe? Booyah tribe? no i don't know we'll have to i'll have to look it up i got some homework to do uh, yeah, we got we, we all got homework four to do. months for, <laughs> four months worth of homework to do apparently, right? Um, but uh, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one stop shop for all things movement radio. And if you still happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcast after it's been released, uh, please leave us a five star review, and uh, it does nothing for us monetarily, but. It does help get the episodes out to a broader audience, thanks to Apple's boogered ass algorithm. <laughs> please don't, please don't cancel us, Apple. Yeah, please we love you. It's actually well, it's been glitching a lot here recently too. Apple Podcast has yes. Anything, so. uh, anything you want to say before we get out here tonight, Roger? Uh, I mean, if you're listening to this on schedule, you're listening to it on um, Patreon, which thank you. Uh, just a dollar a month. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Uh, and hopefully, you know, we can get talent a better computer. Yes. So we can start doing more videos. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we can start reacting to some of these battle raps that we've been uh, wanting to watch with each other for a while. Um, yes. Yes. A uh, couple of quick, a uh, couple of quick shout outs. Shout out to uh, Sean Thompson of Thompson Personal Training. If you sign up, you can you can get a session, a one hour session for forty dollars. The best deal you guys can get. Uh, and you will get bang for your buck. He will put you through a great workout full of cardio and core and strength and conditioning training. Really great stuff. Go check him out. Sean Thompson and uh, Thompson Personal Training on Facebook. 
shout out to Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversations podcast. Looking forward to a lot of their new upcoming episodes. And uh, our good buddy Ivan Montanez, twitch.tv slash Demon. Go check out his content. A lot of cool content over there. That being said, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Rap Rewind. We will see you guys next time. Chip, let's hit them with the outro. Please do not leave without leaving a like, comment, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us um, again. Join us next week. Uh, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, click the bell to get notified of our latest videos. And once again, movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. <laughs> I am sleepy as fuck. <laughs> I'm Talon Williams. <laughs> that, was so, that was so... That was so sloppy. It was, yes. wasn't it? <laughs> Uh, uh, we are. I mean, it's almost one o'clock. So yeah, this is yeah. Gonna be, we're gonna be hurting in the morning. Hey, hey, uh, what we say? Sleep. You know, sleep when we're dead. What right? Is that? Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, but, tell uh, me the name so we can get the hell out of here. <laughs> my my name is uh, Roger Sierra. I am mayor of Duff City. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Movement Radio. God's plan. <laughs> <laughs>